Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. We're back after a bit of almost a month-long hiatus. This is Dave. This is Barry. This is Sid Haig. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yay, I love Sid Haig. We are back for episode 159 of Screen Geeks Radio. Uh, it's been a while, so we're, we're cutting short some of the stuff we've watched, I'm sure, mostly because I haven't been watching much because I've been working on a huge audio project, but we're going to be talking about our favorite trailers this week. I think it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be fun. Let me ask you something really quick before it completely exits my mind. Have you ever thought of going on the Space Mountain ride and playing the Screen Geek song on like headphones? <laughs> I actually, <laughs> dang it, the CDs upstairs, I actually have the Disneyland soundtrack from the 50th anniversary, and I've got the Space Mountain theme song. Oh, cool. Yes. Because I thought, you know, if they ever retire that, they should seriously think about like, you using yeah. your Screen Geeks theme. It's, it's a little too laid back, honestly. You think? Yeah, totally. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But since you, that, that's an interesting thing to bring up. That's, wow. I take that as high praise because I love that song. Well, I'm like sitting here listening to the theme song. I'm like, I, I'm imagining myself on Space Mountain right now. Nice. But maybe it is too. You're, maybe it is too slow for it the, is. What do you think, Ethan? What's a good, good, good music for the Space Mountain ride? Have you ever been on it? Oh, many times. What do you think? What's what's a what's good music to be set to that? Hmm. You know that song? She likes me for me. <laughs> Where he rhymes all like the celebrities. I think that one. <laughs> I was thinking loving you, but you know, whichever. Do 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 do. Yeah, all yeah. all twelve minutes of R. Kelly's sex me. <laughs> there it is. R. Kelly at Disneyland. There's a there, there's, there's a mixture. Just, yeah. Wow, that's almost as wrong as having Captain EO playing. Okay. Hey, hey, that's a popular attraction now. <laughs> I'm sure. And it so is. is the new Star Tours apparently. Yeah. It's got all that. It's got like it's got fifteen got different variations in there now. Yeah. Well, it's fifteen different versions you can go on apparently. Oh, that's right. It's, it's like, like, like Clue the movie. Every yeah. time it's something different. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, um, anyhow, sir, what have, uh, I'll start, we'll start off with Barry. What have yeah. you been watching on the break? Um, well, uh, the ones I want to mention, uh, uh, a lot of a lot of crap, but there are, there are three <laughs> art movies I want to mention uh, that really have stayed with me. One is called The Gray Zone. It's directed by Tim Blake Nelson. Of course, you know him as one of the soggy yes. bottom boys. Uh, this is a film that he directed after O. Uh, the Gray Zone is a movie I came across because of my master's program, but reading a lot of uh, Primo Levi, his literature about the Holocaust is pretty much like considered definitive. The Gray Zone is not like any other Holocaust film. It is, uh, it's from the point of view of the Sonder Commandos. These are the Jews who volunteered to help the Nazis. They helped mm. Jews. They helped the Nazis march Jews into the ovens. They helped clean out the ovens afterwards. And in exchange, they were given more food. They were given better living uh, accommodations. They were allowed to work inside, and they were basically treated not like royalty because they knew that you know they were gonna they were gonna get shot in the head any day now. But it basically gave them a lease on life. And it's this moral question of like, wow, you know, do you you know I mean do you you know betray your your people like that, or do you you know, or do you basically just kind of try to spread your life out as long as you can and possibly try to escape and anyway it's a it's a morally complex film it's in color so it's probably the most graphic movie about the holocaust i've ever seen um it stars david arquette and oddly enough it's you forget after about five minutes it's an really? amazing performance okay. yeah and I, I and i know how outrageous that sounds but you got to see it the movie it, it was produced by harvey keitel harvey keitel also plays the head nazi in the film um harvey keitel is jewish so to see him play this vicious, sick, evil human being, uh, you know, I think it's kind of a wonderful bit of revenge on his part to be able to play this character. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mira Servino is also in the film. Uh, uh, Steve Buscemi's in the movie. 
it's an extraordinary movie. I'm not going to lie. It's not a feel-good film, <laughs> but uh, I think it might actually be a little bit better than Schindler's List because wow, okay. it does. It's not an artful film. You know, as much as I like Schindler's List, I'm, I'll admit I'm one of those people that never crazy about the last five minutes of Schindler's List, where it kind of turns into a documentary. Um, the Gray Zone is is uh, I, it just it feels like the right movie the whole way through. Um, it's powerful stuff. I highly recommend The Gray Zone. Um, very quickly, I also saw David Cronenberg's Spider, the one Cronenberg movie that has eluded me for years. This is an incredible film. If you're a big fan of Ray Fiennes, you need to see it. This is one of the essential Ray Fiennes performances. Um, it's not like any other film Cronenberg's ever done. Uh, it's certainly one of his most restrained in terms of violence, but it's also one of his most disturbing, easily, easily, um, richly psychological film. Great performance by Miranda Richardson. Um, I finally caught up with Happiness. Excuse me, not Happiness. Life During Wartime, <laughs> the sequel to Happiness. I've seen Happiness. Um, Life During <laughs> Wartime has definitely stayed with me. Great performances. Um, if I were to be mean, I think it's a little redundant. A lot of scenes of people having arguments that eventually lead to them going, well, F you, and storming out of the room. But uh, <laughs> a, lot of great, a lot of great scenes, a lot to chew on for this movie. It's one of these films I have not stopped thinking about. Really quick, I'll just rush through these. Um, Country Strong. It's all about Maiden Leister, a uh, Leighton Meester. Definitely yeah. the best thing in that movie. I thought great performance by her. The rest of the movie kind of a honky tonk melodrama. One of it really is inevitable yeah. endings. Uh, Garrett Garrett Hedlund was good too. I admit, and uh, he could McGraw sing. Too. He could sing very well. It shocked the crap out of me. Who yeah. would have thought? It's not a great movie, but it's. But uh, Leighton Meester, I gotta say, makes me almost want to apologize for what I said about her performance in The Roommate. Completely different. She's actually quite good. Who thought? Uh, Limitless. All right, uh, wants wants to be Fight Club so bad, doesn't get there. But you know, definitely, uh, the story struck me along, but uh, not not the greatest movie. Um, Red Riding Hood. Um, <laughs> you watched it. Twilight is better. Twilight yeah. is better than Red Riding Hood. Red Riding Hood is garbage. It's worse than Twilight. Who would have thought? Um, Arthur. What a, what no? Before we, what a waste of Gary Oldman. Yeah, Gary Oldman, and like unlike I Am Number Four, which is clearly trying to pretend to be a sci-fi IMAX event movie. You know, this movie was shameless about how much it wanted to be like Twilight. The opening scenes, the the helicopter shots of the trees, and the girl is narrating the film, and the dad from Twilight is playing her dad in this movie, and she has to choose between two hunks, one of which might be a werewolf. I mean, like, shameless, shamelessly trying to be like Twilight. Um, I saw the Russell Brand remake of Arthur, very hit and miss. Um, the fact that the movie doesn't totally work is not his fault, but uh, frankly, it's, it's just an inferior remake. Mm-hmm. And finally, uh, Burlesque. Oh, why? Burlesque. Why? I was curious. I was curious. And I got to say, uh, Showgirls is funnier and better directed and more memorable. I just, I didn't find Burlesque all that memorable. Except um, for Christina Aguilera, Aguilera looking like a drag queen. Everybody looks in a, like a drag queen in this movie. Fair yeah. Enough, fair and, enough. And Stanley Tucci and Alan Cumming are just repeating themselves, completely repeating Alan themselves. Alan Cumming's barely in the movie. Barely in the movie, but he's doing the same, like, you know, bitchy, stagey thing he's done before. Same thing with, with, with Stanley Tucci doing the same role he did in Devil Was Prada. Cher, you know, she's still got it as an actress. She still has that as a singer. It's too bad she's in this movie. Aguilera, great singer, not really an actress. As an actress, she's a great singer. Yeah, and then yeah. Kristen Bell, who I just... I, she's I felt, just... She's so, I feel so bad for her. She's kind of like <laughs> lost in this movie. She's supposed to be the villainess, but like they never really give her character any claws, you know? Like yeah. It doesn't become like this this bitchy cat fight that you expect. It never builds to that. No. No. So total. That was total uh, Ken Gigande in it. Oh gosh, I huge fan here. Huge fan. <laughs> I can't stand that guy. He was. I don't know if he was worse in this movie or in The Roommate. Um, gosh, he's. He's, he's, the guy who he's, he's like a poor, yeah, he's like oh. a poor man's Channing Tatum, you know, and that's really sick. So because Channing Tatum's like the poor man's Mark Wahlberg. So <laughs> no, he's the poor man's Marky Mark. <laughs> 
It's the Marky Mark side of Wahlberg's career, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Poor, and I guess the last one I want to mention really, really quickly, not because I want to talk about it at length. I mean, you know how much I love The Secret of Nim. Love that movie. I watched it this morning. And, you know, for years I've watched this movie, but I've never watched all the way to the end credits. Are you aware that Will Wheaton does a voice in this movie? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't, for years, I had no idea. I, I knew Shannon Doherty, Jared Jacoby, Elizabeth Hartman, all of them, but I didn't know I didn't know Will Wheaton was uh, one of the, the second oldest uh, Brisbee kid. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, there you go. Very cool. All right, I guess I'll go next. We'll let Ethan go do, do his marathon after. Well, yeah, we'll just do okay. that. Um, this morning, I finally crossed broadcast news off my list of shame. That is a fine film. Uh, probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen taking place in a news studio when the flop sweat kicks in. Yeah, that's, oh, it's a great scene. I mean, they played it right to the hilt of being over the top. I mean, they couldn't have added another drop of sweat without it becoming just slapstick. <laughs> right. But it was brilliant. And just the sheer honesty of that film, I really enjoyed it. How every character's honest, not only to who they are, but to each other about who they are. Yes. There's no doubt. William Hurt's like, look, I'm not smart. <laughs> and how often do you see the lead, the, the the handsome man who's going to get the girl, say, I'm an idiot? Yeah. I, I really liked that movie. Cool. Cool. It's outstanding. Um, let's see. Watched, I rewatched Rec 2 because I imported the uh, Rec double feature from Canada, which, oddly enough, you can't buy it in the U.S., but there's a sticker on the back of the box that says made in the USA. <laughs> So we made it out here, we sent it over there, and then you ordered it, and it came to your mailbox yes. in Colorado. Yes, yes. Okay. But, it, you know, Rec looks good on Blu-ray, but when I popped Rec 2 in, it's so obvious how much of an equipment upgrade they had between the two movies. Because mm. the first one looks kind of like a TV camera or whatever, but Rec 2 is just so flipping crisp and gorgeous. Like, when blood sprays it, go, it's just brilliant colors. It And I watched it, like... Middle of the day, the curtains open, sun shining, birds tweeting, and it still freaked me the heck out. Wow. Great movie. Uh, let's see. I'll get to the other good movie I saw, and then we'll get to the two crap ones because I want to bring them up on the show anyway. Okay. Um, but I picked up the Samuel Fuller uh, DVD box set at Borders since they're nice. liquidating. Yeah, it's like 51 bucks on Amazon, and I picked it up for 24 So Man. picking the bones at Borders. Woot. Nice. And I've just – I've only started the first movie. Um not started. The movie's an hour long. It's called It Happened in Hollywood. And it's like the second movie he's credited with as a writer. And it's about a Western silent film star who's trying to make the jump to sound to talkies. And he is a Western guy. So they try to put him in, excuse me, you know, the whole the whole grand high society thing. And he's supposed to say how he loves his wife. He you know, loves this woman and how beautiful her hair is. And he's like, well, darling, you sure do look pretty as the sun rises. You know? <laughs> and, it, and he ends up getting that thrown out on his button in, onto the street and, you know, still still in love with his star from the silent films and it's kind of star-crossed lovers. And it's goofy, but it's really, it, it's touching. I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's cornball and melodramatic, but I, I think you need to watch it for sure. So it reminds me of Singing in the Rain. Kind of. Kind of? Okay. Yeah. The, the ending has a very interesting twist where had the had he stayed... Had it, had it been pure black and white thing, he would have admitted what he was going to do when, when instead of becoming the hero, I'm not going to spoil it. Because hmm. it's a very interesting and complicated ending. But you can see the wheels turning. He's like, you know what? This is going to hurt my legacy if I bring this up, so screw it. Sounds but it doesn't good. make you think less of him. Um, as to the crap, okay, I, I'm definitely the one who hated Don't Be Afraid of the Dark more than anyone else. This uh, is but, true. But, but Barry and I went. Uh, I'll, I'll let you go first because 
we didn't talk about it before since. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I I, I like the film. Um, I don't think it's a classic horror film, uh, nor do I think it's a sterling example of screenwriting. <laughs> uh, but frankly, the movie scared me. I thought it was really well produced. I thought the production values were great. I think it's uh, the the scene under the covers. I think could be like one of the great scary moments of any movie this year. If if Insidious didn't exist, of course. Um, no, I like the film. I th- I thought the I'm a big monster guy, and I love the monsters in this movie. I they were very funny in a very like mischievous gremlin sort of way. I thought the movie was. A appropriately sick and twisted um i can't say that i think about it a lot but it but for me it it, it worked and for me it really was my it's like like my current exhibit a of why i don't like horror movies for the most part because oh, no. we just lost ethan just lost and, and, and so we gotta bring him back we'll be right back the problem with a lot of these movies is that i like a movie where the characters have an iq higher than that of a kindergarten <laughs> And the opening scene before the credits I thought was incredibly creepy and nasty and kind of messed up. And what I was hoping for for the movie in some ways, just that it was a very dark film. But I spent the next 20 minutes while they're in the house wanting to yell at the screen. I'm not because I'm a critic. I'm in the critic's seats. I don't want to be known as that guy. But I want to be like, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing that? You're, you idiot. I hope you all die. And while I softened a little bit on Katie Holmes' character... Like, Guy Pierce and his crappy, I don't know what haircut that was. Yeah. And I never mentioned someone's hair ever, but good Lord. It, it was just such a... I mentioned it a lot. Do you? Okay. Well, you know, it is something worth mentioning, especially uh, in this so, movie. Uh, I'm glad. Fair enough. Fair enough. I just hated the movie. It, the, the movie doesn't have a brain at all. And that's what I liked about Insidious is, yes, it does eventually get back to the horror film tropes, but it, it gives you that moment of weird stuff's going on. We gotta move. Okay, which never happens, which is probably why I liked Insidious so much. And this movie just was, it's just dumber than a bag of rocks. And I just hated it all the way through. I mean, it's its what David Brin on an episode of Geeks On called the idiot plot. And essentially it is where the plot only works if every single character is a complete idiot. Hmm. I mean, when dude gets hacked up, when the handyman gets hacked up downstairs... And they end up, you know, the family comes home. What happened? What happened? I mean, like, the dude's got scissors sticking out of his shoulder. His Achilles is tore up. His hands are all mangled. It was an accident. Wait, what? I'm not saying you need to say there's creatures in your basement. You don't need to go there, but you need to say, hey, something weird happened. You don't just say, oh, it was an accident. Okay. And the other thing that, that just drove me up the wall was when in the bathroom scene when the girl's taking the bath and the the fairies are backing her into the corner, backing her into the corner, and it'd be scary if the light switch wasn't right behind her. Especially since they went to the trouble of showing just how much these creatures don't like light. It just kind of, oh, seriously. So, yeah, not a fan. We have hindsight, though. This is what we were arguing about in the uh, No, the no, episode. but I thought this like, dur- during like, the movie. I'm watching the movie. It's more logical that the guy fell on his pile of tools, which which can happen, probably not as elaborately as it does in the movie. <laughs> exactly. But that could happen. Or that, you know, or that there's these monsters living in the basement that have been there for hundreds of years and they've, you know, they've been feeding on nothing but anger and children's teeth, you know. And, and, and when you're terrified, when you're a little kid, you're in the bathroom, you're alone, you're being stalked by these creatures. I mean, are you going to clearly think, oh, I should try on the lights to get rid of them or are you going to cower in the corner I would I, cower I would be afraid I wouldn't think that that clearly when the kid makes the discovery that the light doesn't like that the creatures don't like the light if it's the if it's the parents discovering it I understand when it's the kid who understands it I, I can't go there so yeah. you didn't think the monsters were cool I thought they were really fun they were okay no, I wasn't the biggest fan. But okay, that's well, okay. that's okay. That's all right. But that's you know, all right. It, it was a sterling example of filmmaking compared to Seven Days in Utopia. 
<laughs> you gotta talk, about, say, you talk about that one. All now? I'm going to say is it sucked. Don't spend your money, and if you do, you have every right to stand in the the lobby and loudly demand a refund for every penny because it doesn't end. That's all I'll say. You're not you gonna, can read. The, not going to elaborate on that. Is you, that I think I think my review is elaborate enough. Because <laughs> man, that is an I mean that is an interesting thing this movie does. I've, I've never heard of a. Film okay, should that. we talk about that? You at should all? talk about okay. it because that okay. is that is unique. I must say it. Look, I. Uh, whether a film should be an evangelistic tool or not can be a whole other discussion, I think. Because um, there will be people who say that it doesn't have any place in a movie, period. I would say, depending on the genre, you know, if it's a Christian movie, there's going to be Christian stuff in it. To end your movie, however, with a completely ambiguous ending that, while ambiguous, could have worked in the framework of this really crappy little film, to end the film by fading out, fade up, Want to see what happens next? And it fades out. Fade up. Go to diddymaketheputt.com. Fade out. Roll credits. There's an implicit agreement between me as a ticket buyer or a theater goer and the filmmakers that the movie will end. The ending might suck out loud, but it's gonna end. And and to implicate otherwise, to say, yes, I'm gonna take your hard-earned theater money and then say that you have to go to another website to which you just watch... The, uh, the the author walked through like this little graveyard thing from the movie and read the next chapter. Like, literally, that's what... Unforgivable. The movie shouldn't be in theaters. That's I all I'll say. Did he make the butt.com? <laughs> it's like, do you give a crap.com? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I, I think I'll end it there and I'll, I'll let Ethan get to his cinematic journey next. Yes. What's, What's up, sir? Watching? Are you About there? time. I know, I know. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, uh, I watched The Tracy Fragments, a uh, Canadian film. Uh, this had gotten actually a pretty poor reception. It came out a few years ago, but I wanted to see it just because it was directed by Bruce McDonald, who I'm a fan of. Uh, Ellen Page stars in it, who I'm a fan of, and it's set in Winnipeg, my hometown. So I just figured I should check it out. And um, it's basically about uh, Ellen Page as the title character, and she the opening scene is her on a bus covered i believe in like a shower curtain and it's like her explaining how she got there and the whole movie is done in this style where you know that scene in uh, buffalo 66 where he's like running to uh try and find the bathroom and it breaks up into all these like fragments of like video art yeah the whole movie is like that it's like separate fragments kind of split screens and stuff of other things going on and uh it's incredibly chaotic i can see why it wasn't liked but i i I'll say I didn't hate it, and I think there's actually things in it that are recognizably Canadian without pandering, which I liked about it. And, uh, yeah, it's like it's just an interesting watch. It's something where I don't think it's completely successful, but I think it's, it's, worth, it's worth checking out, so I'd recommend it. Okay. Um, next, I watched the original Straw Dogs for the first time. Oh, wow. Nice. And, uh, yeah, that, that movie, like, blew me away. I... Uh, the thing is, it's it's such a like a it's a very slow movie, but it it kept me throughout the entire time just because Peck and Pa he has such a precise vision, and uh, Dustin Hoffman in particular is amazing in it. Yeah. Just playing is such a fucking geek, but just you know like when he like when he has that moment, the kind of uh, I will not allow violence against this house. It's like one of the best like shit just got real moments. <laughs> it so is. Yes. Yeah, and it's and I think Peckinpah does an amazing job of not glorifying violence at all. 
Yeah, he makes it so, out to be the horrific thing it is, quite effectively. And it, see, can't you totally see James Marsden is totally going to take over for <laughs> Dustin Hoffman just fine? Oh, for sure. Oh, and Kate Bosworth. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Acting giants right there. Okay, sorry. Actually, I like, I like James Marsden, but... Not in this, though. They're, yeah, they're both good, but the the whole remake is unnecessary. It's been sitting on the shelf for years. I mean, this is this is not going to be good. I saw, and I watched the trailer again after watching the movie, and I, there was like a CGI deer, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Uh, next, I watched Abbas Kiristami's uh, Taste of Cherry. Uh, this is a film he made. It's about a, a man, an Iranian man who's uh, trying to commit suicide, and he drives around looking for people that'll help him. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it's a really powerful movie, but, like, you know, Kiristami sounds very slow, but it definitely held my attention, and it's very moving in the end. And it has kind of, it doesn't, uh, I don't know if it's a spoiler to say this, but the ending doesn't really tell you what happens. It leaves you on a bit of a, leaves you, leaves you hanging a bit, but it was worth it. And there's one thing worth noting, though, about the end credits of the movie, which is incredibly strange. This isn't even really, this isn't really even really a comment in the movie, but it's just something interesting to bring up. After the ending of the movie, it shows footage, uh, like behind-the-scenes footage of like Kiristami filming the movie, hmm. which I thought was just kind of weird, but it was interesting. So yeah, I definitely recommend that. Um, next, now I remember our last episode. I said that I hated every Michael Winterbottom movie that didn't have Steve Coogan in it. Sure. And then I realized the only Michael Winterbottom movie without Steve Coogan in it that I've seen is The Killer Inside Me. So I'm like. You know, I should I should actually give him an actual chance. So I, I checked out Code Forty Six. Oh yeah. And honestly, I didn't I didn't mind it. The thing is, it is like I said about his films. It does kind of have its dry spots, and it I think in terms of kind of the emotion of the story, it it kind of falters a little. But I actually think aesthetically, it's pretty interesting, and it has a pretty it has a pretty well thought out vision of the future. I think and interesting themes. So I, yeah, I'd say I kind of liked it. Do you think it would have been better if uh, if Tim Robbins and Samantha Morton had a stronger chemistry? I was going to say they're both like amazing actors, but they're not the kind of people you cast in a movie like this. Yeah, yeah, that was probably my problem with it. Because I agree with you, it is visually very striking, and there are, there are definitely moments in the film I remembered. But um, I, yeah, for me, it's like I mean, I know people say like they have no emotional connection to Blade Runner, but for me, it's it's like that ten times over with with Code Forty Six. I just I felt nothing watching it, but I was really interested in the the architecture of the film. Yeah. Uh, next, I finally got to see The Beaver. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. Hmm. Bit <laughs> of a bit of a mixed bag here, I gotta say. Yeah. Uh, I just think yeah, the big problem with the movie is the tone, mm. and I think the screenplay too is a bit of a mess. Like, I just think a lot of it is very obvious. Like the whole how they're trying to parallel Mel Gibson and uh, Chekhov was just very like just yeah really like heavy-handed and uh just i think in particular i think the last five probably or 15 minutes of the movie is like a complete disaster yeah yeah it feels like a cop-out like they're trying to trying to find some kind of happy or satisfying way to end it but (laughs) 
doesn't quite work. <laughs> was it? Well, Ethan, don't you think that? I mean, my my pick for like where the movie kind of derails. Even though there are things about the movie I do like and admire because it's such a ballsy film. But I thought the whole subplot about the Beaver puppet being a huge success for me that felt completely wrongheaded. Do you agree? I agree, and I I really I thought the whole thing with Anton Yelchin and Jennifer Lawrence was pretty badly written too. Yeah, yeah, felt like from a different film and really out of place. I thought. Well, even the whole thing where she's like, "Oh, I'm really a graffiti artist" or something right. was like such an eye rolling like. Or even the speech at the end was like a total like, ugh. yeah, but, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gibson the Gibber was good though. There you go. Yes, he was. Yeah. Uh, next, I watched uh, Michael Mann's Thief for the first time. Oh, yeah. Which was quite good. Um, again, it's his first movie, so it's, again, him figuring out his style. And I think looking at him now, I think he's actually at his complete creative peak right now. And you can see it's sort of like this because it's sort of he's half and half. Like he's still sort of writing like a typical crime film, but sort of the visual rhythms of it are very incredible and uh, the score by Tangerine Dream is amazing Yeah. so yeah I'd recommend that um, and last I watched uh, Mike Nichols' Carnal Knowledge for the first time wow which is I thought was an amazing movie like it is so like it is like such a just vicious and ugly movie but it's yeah. so just it's funny at the same time and it's really just true to life I found and accurate and uh I think Mike Nichols is one of the best directors for making these kinds of films because he knows to you know give their actors their space and the writing their space, but at the same time I think, I think he made the movie incredibly visual, which I appreciated. And uh, there's a scene towards the, I I don't know if when's the last time you've seen the movie, but what did you think of the scene where uh, Jack Nicholson showed his slideshow? Do you remember that scene? I, you know, you you said it. It's been about eight years since I've seen it, but I do remember the scene. I just remember that, like, it's such a weird choice choice to end the movie with that, but it's, like, it's incredible, I thought, like, how dark it is, so. Yeah, that film is a cinematic kick to the crotch, um, but my goodness, like, uh, who would have thought, I mean, our Garfunk, we're not talking about one of the great performances, but Nichols clearly got something really unique out of him, and, yeah, that film, it just, the cruelty of it has just continues to resonate for me. I mean, like I think about that movie, I think, Oh God, it's like, I couldn't wait to be away from those people, but I was grateful that I had the distance of cinema to watch them. Yeah. It's an amazing movie in my opinion. How do you think it compares with closer? Cause that's, you know, everybody compares those two. Cause obviously, cause I did, I did see a lot of parallels too. And something I thought of was how sex, even though it's discussed throughout the movie, it's off screen for most yeah. of it, which mm-hmm. I liked. Yeah. And uh, I need to see Closer again because I saw that a long time ago. But I, I remember thinking it was pretty good. I would be curious to like, watch those two back-to-back, but I wonder if I'd just be like so depressed and feeling narcissistic <laughs> for the rest of the day watching those two, consequently. Fair enough. Okay, okay. I meant subsequently there, not consequently. Um, finally, uh, f- Dave just reminded me, uh, I got to see this great movie, and I haven't had the chance to write my review, which is why it wasn't fresh in my mind. Um, Dave lent me uh, Joe Dante's The Hole. Um, this is the film that Dante did in 3D. It was made in 2008. It got released in some parts of the world in, in the 2009. UK. I know Jack loves it. Yeah, and uh, it, we we still don't have it here, but Dave thankfully got his hands on a on a region free copy. I like this film. I liked it. Um, 
it's kind of like a medley of all of Dante's greatest hits. You've got pieces of Gremlins. You've got the mm-hmm. art direction from Twilight Zone, the movie. Uh, you've got the the. I mean, it's literally like it's it's kind of like a greatest hits sort of medley, but it's so well done. The first hour is really really solid, and I gotta say, like it's it's a family friendly movie, but it, it is genuinely scary, not oh, horrifying. Man. Yeah, but, but that, that but freaking scary. little doll. The, the all that I mean, like, this is really really good scary moments in this movie. Got a wonderful cameo by Dick Miller. He's <laughs> the world's um, oldest pizza man. Yeah, yes. exactly. Um, I really enjoyed uh, the score because this is the first non-Jerry Goldsmith scored uh, uh, Joe Dante movie since The Howling, and the score was very good. The special effects were fun. This is one of these movies that would play really well in theaters right now because even though it was made all these years ago, nobody in the cast is known here other than Terry Polo, who looks ageless, and same with like Dick Miller and, or Bruce Dern. Yeah, and Bruce Dern. Yeah, so. I think it, w- it would play just fine. I mean, you and I talked about this, Dave. I think what doesn't work, I think the last hour of it, the story gets really rickety. There's a subplot involving, I'll just say child abuse, which I felt was really kind of out of place. There's a subplot involving a girl ghost. And then there's the whole of the title that, that has its all sorts of mystical connotations. I I don't think they all worked in the same movie. I think it worked until they crawled down into the hole. Sure. That's yeah. where I think it, it, I it isn't yeah. Explorers bad at all. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, I mean, unlike Explorers, which like that movie didn't have an so they were just kind of trying to cobble something together and it kind of was both kind of whimsical and awkwardly cute and this movie it stays it stays pretty nasty and weird the whole way through and I admire that for it um, no question I mean if you're a Dante fan it is essential it's better than Looney Tunes back in action oh yeah to say the least um, and it feels it feels like he's trying to make another Gremlins or another Small Soldiers it, it definitely has that sort of feel to it I like the film it, it, we've lost Ethan again again no so I say check it out if you can. The whole is it's a good film. And again, if you're a Dante fan, you got to see it. Cool. All right, let's. We're like a half hour in now. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about what hit theaters this weekend because I'm sure we're going to spend another five ten minutes talking about one of those movies too. All right, uh, Steven Soderbergh's Contagion, starring every major actor out there. Uh, yeah, uh, Bucky Larson, born to be a star, not starring the cast of Contagion. I I didn't even know this movie was coming out until like I was looking at the t- showtimes. I'm like, what's this? You know, every time I watch Jimmy Fallon or Conan O'Brien, they're always having stars on it promoting this movie. I've seen Christina Ricci, Don Johnson, and Nick Swarston like constantly pimping this movie, and Jimmy Fallon's in the movie. Okay. So like I've seen constant clips from this movie, and boy, does it look bad. Um, Warrior, critically acclaimed new film, uh, starring Tom Hardy and Nick Nolte. It's been getting pretty good reviews one of the first major MMA movies and then finally for some reason this film's got a pretty wide release although I haven't seen the trailer for it Creature I have no idea what it is yeah like I saw it was yeah over. That, that was that was. I saw that like, the list, like you were talking about Bucky Larson I saw that listing like what the yeah yeah what in the world is that? Yeah, so like a lot of so like some some good stuff in addition to the like the December trash that the studio is taking out, hoping we're not going to notice. Yeah, but we all saw Contagion, right? I saw it. Did you see it? Either? I saw it today. Oh, great, okay. great. Okay. Um, that was an interesting film. I I I'm still processing. I don't think it's a perfect film by a long no, shot. No, no, no. No, I, I, my two bits are that I think at the screenplay levels, there's there's some problems. Um, the, too many characters, and I think some of them either it's just lazy screenwriting and they just kind of vanish from the story or brutal editing. Um, but overall, the movie made me very paranoid while I was watching it. I what, don't. But think, what, what was the audience you were watching it with, though, Barry? I saw the first showing of the day, and it was a lot of old people, and it was a packed house. It was a twelve fifteen showing, but it was a packed house. A lot of old people there, a lot of silver hair, and they were coughing throughout, which is a terrifying <laughs> way to watch Contagion. I mean, I'm sitting there nervous anyway, but I think I like crawled up into like the fetal position of my seat because everywhere was like <laughs> the whole movie. It was like watching it with like Gene Hackman in Heartbreakers. Like it was just. It was terrifying. <laughs> wow. 
I think usually I always talk about how a movie can always use like twenty to thirty minutes less. Like sure. Whenever I talk about running time, yeah. I think this is a movie that could have used about another half hour. And like I like like you said, like it seems like it was just edited really roughly. Yeah. And it, it could have used about another half hour. It would have fleshed everything out. I think quite nicely. What did well, you think? Was Ethan? There was one thing in the movie I was kind of confused about. Okay. So uh, this is kind of a spoiler. But, okay. You know, spoiler whatever. alert. Don't list. Don't. Okay. Skip it a couple minutes. My room. Okay. So Jude Law, it's implied in the movie, he gets the disease at one point, right? Implied. And then, yeah. It, or, no, it's, well, it's shown he's given the, he has the disease. Not implied. My bad. But, and then he's cured. It's, it's shown that he, or more actually, it's implied that he found the cure, right? I was really confused when he was like sick one scene. The next scene, he was like in his like bitchin' suit, like putting out flyers. Like, was it shown now he made? I maybe I just zoned out. No, no, no. I, I, I had this. That was a problem I had with the two. And I think, I think Soderbergh to give him a break. I think he's trying to make the character ambiguous because there is that confrontation at the end where the saying, "You lied. You're just trying to lie to the people, whatever." So I think we're we're supposed to think that he might have faked the illness. And but when they run the oh, again, this is spoiler, so we're like still got a little time. They run the blood test on him and say you never had the disease. Right. So they're, so like they're implying that like he was was selling this miracle cure to exploit the people. Um, he made and, what four and a half million off it or something like that. Yeah, and, and and the only indication you would have that his character is that slimy is there is the moment where clearly an ex girlfriend encounters him in the street and he kind of like shoes her away. Um, but I mean, I I think it was you could either say well it's trying to be ambiguous as to the nature of his character or I'm just saying that one scene he looked pretty rough you know. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I don't know. I really don't know. I, I want to throw out I, my favorite performance in the movie, hands down. And I love the sight of him in, in his in his plastic suit walking around in empty San Francisco. That was one of my favorite images of the film. He's just, you know, no, he's just you know, totally laying out. He's got his receding hairline and bad <laughs> teeth. Like, he's not a heartthrob anymore, either. Good for him. <laughs> not in this movie. <laughs> I love this performance, though. I really did. He was the character I was the most fascinated with, and I was really happy to take the journey with. Like, a lot of the other characters, as well as the actors were, I mean, who were these people? And yeah. the subplot with Marie and Coltelard getting kidnapped, spoiler. Com- completely where useless. Where did that go? Completely yeah, just, useless. Yeah, it didn't go anywhere, I don't Where think. did she go after X was found out? Yeah, well, like, again, you know, it, I mean, it's supposed to, I guess we're just supposed to be struck by the moral duplicity at, at large, th- but... I, no, I think that was specifically in there to keep a worldwide perspective. Yeah, yeah. That's probably the only reason. The one thing that I liked about the film is that, first of all, unlike Outbreak, this film went worldwide with the idea. Sure. Um, and it didn't uh, it didn't exploit that fact. It could have gone very over-the-top and grandiose with the horrors of what happened. And I think what they showed was, was scary enough as to what probably would happen had were this to actually sure. occur. Yeah. But it just... It it feels like there's stuff missing out of this movie. I, it feels like that wasn't a complete film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, question um, is: <laughs> Was that George Clooney's voice? I'm just going to ask on the phone. Oh, at the beginning, I was going to say I I couldn't rec. I was like that. Rec- it's someone from a Soderbergh movie. Right, right. I no, I think you might be right, David. I think it might be be Clooney. I was just going to look it up. No, no, yeah. no. I bet we'll find out within months. I got to ask you guys this because on one hand, I think about it and it's such a silly sequence, but I loved it while I was watching it. What do you think of the final scene of the movie where we find out it's, what happened? Well, okay, okay, I just okay, want to say about the uh, which my, final this scene. Kind of ties into my opinion of the movie overall. Okay. Is that I think the movie's flawed on a script level, like you said. I think in the third act it runs out of steam, but in terms of style, I think the movie yes. is just is like a complete triumph. 
Yeah. Like in that that final sequence to me, like the, I think the movie has a basic structure where it's like talk, 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 montage set to electric music, talk, 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 <laughs> montage set to electronic music. And maybe it's a little repetitive, but it, I thought Soderbergh just created such like an interesting kind of tempo throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And even while maybe it is a little too short, I, I think as it is, it's just the style of it is pretty remarkable. Yeah, I, I still and, think it's a good film, and yeah. and I, I agree the style is just, it blew my mind from the first frame, just how well this film was made. And I think it's worth seeing on the big screen. Yeah. Now, granted, I saw it on the big, big screen. Yeah, you saw it on IMAX. Well, it's was fake that? IMAX. We have fake IMAX. But here's the thing. Be, uh, there's good and bad to it. I think the film itself, is, it was far more immersive, but there were spots where there's things happening on opposite sides of the screen which in a theater wouldn't bug you so much. But when you're that close to the screen, it's hard to keep like track a of everything. Match. Yeah. yeah. Um, and honestly, the projection wasn't that great. I mean, oh. it, was, it was crystal clear. It was so crystal clear, I could use, tell that they weren't using up-to-date projectors because I could actually see the pixels on the screen. Oh, wow. Like, like, like when, remember like back in like the 80s when you get too close to the CRT TV and you could see the little pixels? Right, yeah. That's what it felt like at times. Okay. But it was gorgeous and it was immersive, but yeah, it, it almost got a little too much at points. Okay, so back yeah, to Soderbergh that. shot this on a new, the new developed version of the red camera. He did, yeah. And like his other movies, they look, they look like Girlfriend Experience and Informant look really good. I thought, just it looked amazing, I thought. It really did. Yeah, no, it's a, I agree, it's a great film, and you're right, it definitely creates this this very unsettling and scarily plausible world. The ending, did you guys, did you like the ending? Did you feel like, like I found myself chuckling, like, oh, it's like this, it's almost like a, like a, one of the traps and saws, like this perfect yeah. chain of events, but I but I agree with Ethan, I thought the filmmaking was wonderful, and it creeped me out. Oh, yeah. How it if I'm ever in Hong Kong, I, I'm not eating while I'm there. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I, I washed my hands the minute this thing was over. Yes. I couldn't wait to wash my hands. Yes. So clearly the movie works. Yeah, it's flawed, but man, it, it, it definitely gets the Absolutely. job done. I like Outbreak a little better though. I do like Outbreak because of the scene in the movie theater. You remember that? Mm-hmm. I actually wrote about that in my review. The scene in Outbreak where you actually see a guy go into a movie theater. He coughs. You see the virus go airborne and it lashes onto another victim. Watching that scene in a movie theater is pretty unsettling. Like even the like the nervous laughter just died. Yeah, yeah. I think Contagion works really well depending on how active an imagination you have. It's weird to use that because the only other movie I've ever used this comparison with is Seven. Mm. But when they start talking about this is how many people are going to be affected and suddenly it's mutated and this how many people, if you haven't acted enough, enough imagination to think about the implications of that, holy crap, this movie just got insane. Yep, plays on your paranoia. I, I was happy, though, that they never mentioned Colorado. They never mentioned Hawaii. Did they ever mention Canada? Was Canada ever? I, I was looking at the map and they had Toronto. It was like just, oh. just below Toronto because I figured if it showed Toronto was infected, the Montreal audience probably would have cheered. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. So yeah, I, I think we all say you should go see it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. No, Cajun's, Contagion is definitely worth seeing. I mean, it's one of the strongest movies in theaters right now. Totally. Yeah, right. best one of the best musical scores of the year, some of the best cinematography of the year. So yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Right on. All right. Well, let's talk about what's hitting home video this week. Supernatural season six. Good season. It is. It's this is the season where after the show had a five year plan and they completed the, the five year plan in season five. So who knew where this was going to go? It went some very interesting places. It shattered the fourth wall in one episode where they end up jumping through a window and somehow they get transported to the real world where they actually are playing. They're actually the actors, wow. but they're actually the characters. Oh, man. It's, it's, it gets nuts. It's, it's a fun se- season for sure. Cool. The ending is kind of stupid, but oh, well. Are the fans still on board, do you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because okay. it's still a fun show. Okay, yeah. so it hasn't like... 
I don't want to use jump the shark because I hate that phrase, but yeah. like it, it hasn't done that yet. No, think. no, okay. no. I, this season, I don't know. We'll see. There, I, I saw a casting spoiler where Jewel State from Fireflies in it. And hmm. she, her character's name is Amy Pond, which is the Doctor's companion in the current series of Doctor Who. So I'm like, I, I'm curious. Okay, I'll hold the judgment. We'll see. Very a lot of nerdvana. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Uh, Kenneth Branagh's Thor, which I didn't I keep li- forgetting. It came out. I this didn't year. like this. I thought it was silly and stupid. Very well done. No question. I agree with Ethan. The fact that Branagh directed it definitely shows. Um, but I was not a fan. I just realized I watched Red State too, but we'll we'll, we'll do oh. that after we do DVDs. Okay, yeah, we'll after talk about we Red State. Um, all right, Rick Rosenthal's Halloween Two, the 1981 sequel, not the Rob Zombie film. I think while most people are buying this thing on Blu-ray, is that it also includes Terror in the Isles, as I mentioned before, a classic horror documentary film with like dozens and dozens of clips of horror movies. The film is hosted by Donald Pleasance and Nancy <laughs> Allen. A lot of fun, just to get Terror in the Isles. And it's like twelve bucks or something. Oh man, that's totally worth it because yeah. you're buying two movies. Citizen Kane, the seven. 70th anniversary edition of the Orson Welles classic. Yeah. I still don't think it's the greatest movie ever made, but I, I it's a great film, no question. It one of the is, most important. I think from a technical standpoint, it's probably one of the most it's probably the most influential film of all time because techniques were established in that movie that are still used today. Yep. But yeah, I'm I I got rid of it on DVD. I won't buy it on Blu-ray probably. I I've seen it enough. I mean here's my problem then maybe you had the same problem I mean I could care less about Charles Foster Kane I've, oh, never, yeah. I've never liked him as a character I've never found his journey involving I just love this, the, the, the cinematics of the film yeah the te- the, again it's the technical side of it and there's yeah. no doubt about it but yeah I never connected with it on a personal level I like the scene where he loses his shit <laughs> there it is okay <laughs> I don't think which scene that is now. <laughs> There's a few. What is it with his wife? Because he like marries some like young lady who wants to be like an actress or something, and he's like, "I tried to make you a star," and then he just I think he starts like throwing stuff across the room. That's a good scene. Just just for the record, for for like the, the people listening to this who are like total cinephiles, going, "I can't believe they're docking Citizen Kane." This film, the film that Orson Welles did afterwards, Touch of Evil. I just want to say it. I think it's better than Kane. I think it's an awesome film. I think cinematically, it's better. The story is great. Orson Welles plays the villain. It's got Charlton Heston and Janet Lee. Check out Touch of Evil if you haven't seen it. I swear to you, it's better than Citizen Kane. Or Magnificent Ambersons. Magnificent Ambersons, another yeah, another. I agree, better than Citizen Kane, even though it's unfinished. Uh, Brand New Day, the Australian musical starring Jeffrey Rush. Um, our friend Shay Kennedy has seen this film, and he's a yeah. fan. He started at the Mallee Film Festival. Wow. And apparently, know. but well, <laughs> Shay's taste is hit and miss, but apparently this is a good film. I haven't seen it yet, so I'll, okay. I'll let you know what I think. Um, Ethan and I, think I, I think you saw this one. Uh, Meek's cut off? Oh, yeah. You Not yet. It. You no. haven't seen it yet. Shoot. Okay, yeah. It was well, a trailer that you saw and went nuts over. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, well, we'll definitely talk about that in the near future. Of course, this is the Michelle Williams Existential Western. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I had a hard time watching it, but man alive, it has not left me. Um, Hesher, featuring a critically acclaimed performance by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. The Tempest, finally being released on DVD. This is the Julie Taymor version with Russell Brand and in the starring in the starring role as Prospero, uh, Helen Mirren, and a, a bit of a Shakespearean sex change. Um, the reviews in this film have been dreadful, dreadful, dreadful bad. Worse than the reviews for Spider-Man the Musical, if you could believe oh. that. Um, but apparently it is visually stunning. There are people who are defending it, so check it out. The Tempest, finally coming out. One of my favorite films of the year, just because it made me laugh so hard, Conan O'Brien Can't Stop, the documentary about Conan O'Brien's Dark Summer funny freaking funny movie um available on oh i'm sorry god forbid i forget and i know the nerds are going he didn't say it star wars the complete saga now available 
It's okay. All I know is as of as of Tuesday, uh, it opens. It comes out Tuesday, right? Yes. Uh, that, all I know is Jason. Doesn't it Hutchins. come out? Doesn't it come out Friday? Oh, it does. It comes out the sixteenth. All I know is, is as of Friday, JC Hutchins owes, owes me five bucks because he bet me that that I would buy it. I'm like, <laughs> you don't know me. I'm I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna buy it. Are you? So you can have that that, that because you need more. No, I. I can mute the movie. There it is. There it is. So let me just get it straight, just to throw out the question because I don't know. Is this is this only special edition, or does it have the original version? No, it's a special edition of the special edition of the special edition. Oh God, forget it. Yeah, (laughs) because at the end, at the end, Uh, yeah, like that, like that, like that would ever happen. Like you would ever release the originals. I've got, I've got that DVD. DVD. I've got it. I've got oh. it. I'm glad I got it when I did. No, no. The biggest thing that everyone's been freaking out about is that at the end of Return of the Jedi, the the, the resolution with the Emperor. Yes, I've is seen the return that of no. Yeah, is that real? Because yes, I heard that no, was it's faked. real. That is real. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think I listened to audio of it. It's not as bad. It's not the no. It's just like no. Okay, so so they actually had James Earl Jones go back into the recording booth. You're not they just looped it back from episode three. I thought, yeah, because I thought it was just the same thing. But I, oh, I've, that, how sad would that be if Lucas was like, "I want you to come in and record it one more time for us." And James Earl Jones like, uh, <laughs> seriously <laughs> again? <laughs> All right, so on Blu-ray, sorry, I'll go through this uh, kind of good, the bad, and the ugly. On on Blu-ray, you've got the Rocky Horror Picture Show. If Again, Tim, Tim Curry fan completist. You got to get this. Um, RoboCop Two. I think this is also another. Again, I'm pretty sure that's already been on Blu-ray. Hide and Seek, the real hit and miss Robert De Niro thriller starring Dakota Fanning. Um, don't see a word with Michael Douglas. Not a not an essential wow, Michael Douglas thriller. No. <laughs> really not. Child's Play, great film, still scary after all these years. The Tom Holland thriller. The Frighteners, the Peter Jackson film. Yes, and it's worth. I I bought well, shoot probably at least five years ago. I imported a German four disc DVD edition of this, and apparently this Blu-ray has all the same content, yeah. including like the four hour long making of documentary wow. and both cuts of the film and all. It's nineteen bucks. I'm like, that's amazing. Fifteenth uh, yeah. anniversary, perfect time. Fifteenth anniversary of the Frighteners. Hard to believe. There you go. Poltergeist two. I think one of the lesser lesser films. Is it, is it as bad as Poltergeist three? I, you know, I'm alone. I like Poltergeist 3 better. Okay. But uh, Poltergeist 2, this is the one where... All I've seen was 3 and laughed really hard. So. Okay, Poltergeist, there's a scene in Poltergeist 3 where Craig T. Nelson vomits up this creature. He vomits up a creature. And in the end credits, he's actually the guy's listed as the vomit monster. <laughs> so, I would love to have that credit on IMDb. I'm just <laughs> no, saying. Be, I want that on my IMDb page. Yeah, so proceed with caution. Um, Hesher, as I already mentioned, with the, uh, that's going to be on Blu-ray. Train Spotting, also celebrating 15, 15 years. This is one of the best films that Danny Boyle ever directed. Uh, we, we actually mentioned this earlier in the show, too. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? with Tim Blake Nelson, as well as, of course, George Clooney and John Turturro, one of the great Coen Brother comedies. Mm-hmm. On Criterion, you've got Three Women, one of my favorite Robert Altman movies. I love this film. This is with Sissy Spacek and Shelley Duvall. Love this movie. It, it is beautiful. Who's and the haunting. third woman? You'll have to see the film. Oh, okay. And then finally, My Life is a Dog, another film I can't get enough of, Lassa Hallstrom, a movie I used to watch all the time growing up. I love cool. this film. Also available Criterion Blu-ray. Get it now. Right on. Okay, let's Sorry, go. Sorry, you, you mentioned uh, don't, don't Say a Word, Don't right? Say a Word. Is that the film with I'll Never Tell? That's the one. Yeah, with the late Brittany Murphy. Did anyone ever actually see that movie? Or did I did. Or did that just become because it was in the trailer? <laughs> no, no. She says it like multiple times in the movie because she's the only one who knows 
well, I shouldn't give it away, but she knows what's in the cemetery. I'll just put yeah. it that way. And and it's kind of like this long process of, of Douglas getting it out of her. I don't think it's one of the, you know, this is like Douglas, he did this movie after A Perfect Murder. It's just really not one of the great Michael Douglas thrillers. No, no. And speaking of Brittany Murphy, totally spaced. I watched Eight Mile. Eight Mile. Yeah. Don't know why, but yeah, I watched you it. You didn't like or it? Or to see Michael Shannon do Kim Basinger? <laughs> there you go. Forgot about that. It's okay. I mean, it's not an awful movie, but I don't know what all the super. It's no Purple are. Rain. Exactly. It didn't make you want to get out and get on a hoodie and just like go bust up some raps and no, 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 not so much. No, no. But Dave, what if you had one shot, just one shot, oh, wow. one moment? Wow. Would that you hurts, take sir. it or would you let it slide? Oh, wow. If I lived in Detroit, I might just kill myself. Wait. Um. Okay. And then I'll very very briefly mention Red State. You guys have talked it to death pretty much. I think there's there are moments of brilliance in this movie. Uh, the like? way, like the the way that I, I never would have thought that Kevin Smith could do a shootout that way. Yeah, like for Kevin Smith, that was really stretching himself, and it's like, where was this in Cop Out? Honestly, yeah, I, I mean, he now looks like a straight to video movie. It's a huge advancement for him. <laughs> oh, Bravo! Wow. wow, I thought parts of the script were really good. Um, I, Michael Park's thing was it, it, it was captivating. It was, you know, it went forever in a day, but it, it, his whole monologue was really. It really got my attention. And some of the dialogue between John Goodman and uh, Kevin Pollack was really good, too. So, I mean, th- there are parts of it that it's like... It- it's an effective horror movie, I think. I mean, it- it- it's a messed up film. Um, I got it from Amazon On Demand, which I- I'm actually really impressed with their streaming service. I started staging it on my laptop and was able to watch it on my 360 while it was downloading. It was kind of cool. Great. Um, it It's a mess of a movie. I think there's an act missing out of the film. Somewhere between the teens and the authorities I'll say just so I don't ruin anything for anyone sure um, it, it's it's a very frustrating movie for me because it shows I think if if Kevin Smith were to really really apply himself and really push himself I think he could be a great filmmaker and I don't know I mean, he's got one movie left I don't know if it's gonna happen well who knows if it's gonna be his last you know he says yeah. it's his last but I mean Soderbergh has been saying that multiple times too yeah so, but no, I, I, you know, I agree with you, Dave. I do. I mean, I, I don't. Brilliant is a strong word for this movie, but I think there's greatness in it. I think yeah. there's great scenes. I, you know, we keep going back to Michael Parks. I love his performance. His big, uh, just called the sermon scene. I think that's one of the deeply, most deeply disturbing scenes of the year. One of the best scenes of the year. Um, I think there's a lot of great stuff in this movie. I really do. I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't go as far as Ethan. I don't think it's quite the, the, the miss. The, that Ethan thought it was, um, but I do agree that there's. It's, it's got problems. It's flawed. It is flawed, but I think there. I agree with that. I think there was some really great stuff in this movie. Yeah. So okay, let's 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 move on to news. Let's yeah. Um, let's see. I guess I'll go first. Uh, this is only going to matter to people in in Colorado or people coming to Colorado, but we're getting an Alamo Draft House next year, which this is big for us. Holy crap! This made is me big. do the Snoopy dance pretty much. Yeah. As soon as I read it. Um, and in Littleton, Colorado. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be a little bit of a drive, but. I've already had people from who came to Starfest last year. They're like, if it's open, we're going, right? Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, no joke. Um, WonderCon, oddly enough, hey, okay, the, it's moving to Anaheim for the year next year. The official reason is because the San Francisco Convention Center or whatever is undergoing renovations, so it's not going to be ready. I'm almost wondering if this is going to be a dry run to see how well Anaheim could handle the kind of traffic possibly and see if it could handle Comic-Con. Sure. My opinion. Yeah, I want to go to WonderCon because heck, spend a day at Disneyland too. That's that's just me. Sure, um, and I'll save my last bit for after everyone else is done. So, 
The only news I have is that uh, Zhang Yimou, a very, very, uh, very talented Chinese director, he's been making this film. It was originally called The Heroes of Nanking. Well, the uh, the title is now The Flowers of War. This is a $90 million epic film about the 20-day rape of Nanking battle that took place in 1937. It's rare that an international film has a $90 million budget. This is a lavish film. It stars Christian Bale. And the, most of the film is Chinese, although a good deal of it apparently is in English. Well, um, anyway, the, the news is not only that the title has been changed, The Flowers of War, but also it's going to get released this Christmas in in, in uh, China as well as international areas, but apparently they're also going to make a rush for it to get it in American theaters so it can qualify for the Oscars this Christmas. Hmm. This is going to be one of those, you know, how it is like in December, like every weekend there's like seven or eight Oscar movies that open up as contenders, and this is going to be one of them. But so, will any of them be the King's Speech? All right, Nathan's got the uh, lion's share of the news. I'll, I'll let you just take it away, sir. Eddie Murphy's going to host the Oscars. <laughs> Is this good or bad? I I, I love Murphy. Well, I, I'm glad we're now in the year 1988. Yeah. Can he's, he host the VMAs too? That'd be awesome. He's still funny. It's, it's a shame about these movies he's been in, but I think he's still funny. I think he's still got it. It's odd that they're putting so much stock in Tower Heights because the belief is that that is going to make him a big star again. I mean, that's... That's really? a really that's that's what everybody's saying. That's why he's got this. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I would wow. love for him to be big again. I love Murphy. I, I grew yeah. up watching his movies. Yeah, it's it's strange that somebody who hasn't like had a hit since, well, not counting the Shrek movies, live action Murphy probably since Bowfinger. I think that was Norbit that bombed. Bowfinger did well. I thought it bombed. No, the Steve Martin movie. Yeah, yeah. Bowfinger did well. Okay. Yeah, yeah Bowfinger Norbit did was well. a hit. You're right. You're right. Norbit. That is the last hit Eddie Murphy movie. You're right. That did ninety million. That was a big success. Can't you see him too at the Oscars? Them totally making him like come out in different fat suits and stuff. I think they'll make jokes about it, which I think I think he's he's self deprecating enough that there'll be enough jokes about the fact that you know <laughs> only a few movies of his are actually Oscar caliber. In yeah. fact, only a few of his have been Oscar caliber. So yeah, yeah. No, I I think. I think it's a good choice because he's really funny and I think that'll be really fresh and he's one of these guys who really does have an insider view of Hollywood. I think it, it'll be weird to see him masked with the movies that he's supposed to honor a lampoon. Yeah, it's like, dude, do you really have any room to talk? But the question we should be asking, better Oscar host, Eddie Murphy or Charlie Murphy? Ooh. See, Charlie Murphy, <laughs> if he has Dave Chappelle acting out his stories. <laughs> Wouldn't that be wild? If like all of a sudden like that, that could Dave, be Dave Chappelle, Chappelle's comeback. Dave Chappelle's like acting as like Morgan Freeman and and like, <laughs> or if they introduce the clips that way, if it's like Dave Chappelle as Brad Pitt in the Tree of Life, I would pay money to see that. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. Apparently, Chappelle's been working on his comedy acting clubs too. Good, good. So, yeah, and so has Chris Tucker. You heard Chris Tucker is uh, no. <laughs> yeah, he's been doing stand up, and apparently he's really good. Okay, all right. Sorry, we didn't mean to derail derail you from that, Ethan. No, I, I like it. All right, cool. What else you got? Um, Mel Gibson's going to direct a film about Jews. <laughs> this is the Judah Maccabee movie, right? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I worry about this. <laughs> it's written by Joe Westerhaus, too. Wow, what a crazy... I want to watch a movie about those two, just like going out for ice cream. 
This is the guy who wrote Basic Instinct, Jade, Showgirls, an Alan Smithy movie, Jagged Edge. I mean, some of the best and some of the worst erotic movies that Hollywood has ever released in the last 15 years. And wow. And it's about the... Wow. Because I know Esther Haas has had a religious conversion. In fact, I mean, I think he converted to Christianity, I think. So this is obviously not going to be the Joe Esther Haas of Basic Instinct, but... <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is a very strange match. My goodness. All right then. Bet you can't wait, right, Ethan? Oh yeah, love me the giver. <laughs> <laughs> right on. What else you got? Uh, my last one is that uh, Fox Searchlight has picked up Steve McQueen's Shame, which uh, premiered at the Venice Film Festival. In fact, uh, Michael Fassbender won the Best Actor Award there today. Wonderful. It's about him. He plays a uh, sex addict. Hmm. And uh, the movie's got a lot of uh, notice, too, because it's, it's going to be NC-17. Like, there's no way they can get around it. Hmm. And uh, I just, I'm glad that Fox Searchlight, who is known for, like, just generic, quirky like stuff like Juno and Little Miss Sunshine. I think I've used the term Fox Searchlighty a lot. They're actually, you know, pick making a lot of ballsy choices and releasing a lot of art films like Tree of Life and yeah. Martha Marcy May Marlene. So I'm just, I'm just, I applaud them. Kudos. It's been a good year for them. No question. Right on. Cool. All right. Well, shall we take a quick break then? Yes. We will uh, be right back to talk about the year's trailer. Well, no, not the year's trailers. Our favorite trailers. Our favorite trailers, trailers. Yeah. yeah. See, it's been a month. Okay. It's okay. I don't know. It's all right. We're, we're getting... Yeah. We'll be back. Welcome to the interwebs, home of everything. Would you like to try the new Fruityoti Slusho? Uh, what do you want? A podcast? What kind of podcast? Give me one with affable hosts talking about geeky things they do. I want one with geek-related news. Anything else? Let me see. How about a podcast with sometimes interesting topics or celebrity interviews? Yeah, uh, let me have the one with the fitness tips, the one that talks about patio books, maybe the one that talks about upcoming cons. If you want all of that, why not get a combo? You have something that has all of that? I wouldn't offer it if we didn't. Is that possible? Is that legal? <gasps> you want this weekly from geekradiodaily.com. What's that? A running gag. So what is this weekly? It's the sometimes weekly podcast with stealth geeks who talk about their week, geek news, and it features looks at patio books, fit club, and con updates. I don't know. One of the hosts is a woman. Oh, really? With a sexy voice. So Geek Radio Daily has forums for geek talks, an active Facebook and Twitter page, and the award non-winning sometimes weekly podcast. All this and more at geekradiodaily.com. This is Coronemic, and you have tuned in to ScreenGeeks.com. Just because they're geeks does not mean that they're not cool. doesn't mean they are cool either, but, you know, it's left up to your imagination. And we're back to discuss our favorite movie trailers of all time, time, time. The cool thing about this, before we get started is that movie trailers, initially, they were just meant to be a tool to sell films. That's all they were. So a lot of the early trailers, in some cases, I mean, it's only a mild exaggeration to say that some of them were almost as long as the movie th mm -hmm. themselves. Some of these early trailers, they're like five to ten minutes long. That's no exaggeration. And they, they not only provide like highlights in the movie, but they basically give away the entire film. So there's like nothing left to your imagination. And unfortunately, we've come back to that. There's a lot <laughs> yes. of trailers now that are two-and-a-half-minute 
uh, abbreviations of the film you're about to see, which is which you know obviously we're not really big fans of here. There are different types of trailers we're going to be talking about. There are the story trailers, which are kind of an abbreviation of the movie. There's the teaser trailers that are meant to just give you a taste of the tone and some of the images you're about to see. High concept trailers, those are my favorite. You'll see that I, I love those, where it's footage shot just for the trailers, but it's all you know people involved with the movie. Um, and then, of course, the collections of scenes trailers, where it's just a collection of scenes, and sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't work. But trailers, no question. I mean, they started off being just a tool, nothing more than like, you know, a movie poster or like a, a lobby card. And trailers are now, in many cases, they're better than the film they're advertising. And they really are an art. The best trailers really yes. are like really great short films. So we'll, so I just want to start off with that. Uh, we'll, I, well, I've, yeah. well, I've always started, I've always loved trailers. I, I, I'm bummed if I get to the movie before, the, after, after the trailers start. I don't care about the little first look crap, whatever, but. <laughs> Yeah. Actual trailers, ever since I've been a kid, I've loved watching the trailers. Even if I'm at the cheap theater and the movie's already out that they're showing, still it's the trailer for the movie. And I've, yeah. I've just always loved trailers. Have you kind of had that same thing going, Ethan? I'm kind of the opposite sometimes because if there's like a trailer I really hate, I will like close my eyes during it. You know, I do that too. And sometimes what I'll do is I'll close my eyes and cover my ears and I'll count to 220. Okay. Because that's, you know. That's the length of most trailers. But yeah, yeah. if it's trailer that's either, if it's like the trailer for the Smurfs, for example, or a horror movie that's, the trailer's just too aggressive. Yeah, sometimes I'll close my eyes and my ears and I'll count to 220 and then it'll magically go away. All right. Huh, interesting. All right, so should, do we just want to take turns cycling through pretty much? We can do that, or do we just want to go down each individual list, or what do you think? We can do that, too. Sure, sure. Um, Ethan, you've been going last the whole time so far. Why don't you go first this time? You've got 17 on your list, and this is a great list. So, yeah, take it away, Ethan. Uh, The first trailer I had was the uh, Psycho teaser trailer, which I saw in my film aesthetics class in about January, I think. And it was the first time I'd seen that trailer, and I'm like, cool. Now, this is the one where Hitchcock takes you on the full tour of the set and everything? Yes, classic, classic trailer. I love that trailer. Oh, so good. It's great. I love it. Because what I love about that trailer is that it's Hitchcock taking you on a tour, which doesn't happen in in trailers anymore. Uh, Neil Gaiman had one for Coraline where he kind of did a riff on that. But the fact that he essentially lays out a lot of what happens in the movie without giving away a daggum thing is just perfect only Hitchcock could have got away with that too it's got a really really nice sense of humor to it the the following year he did a trailer for the birds where he's sitting there like eating a chicken yeah talking about the movie like only Hitchcock could have could have could have done that no one else today has that kind of personality other than Todd Salons have you seen him I've seen Todd Salons and (laughs) Todd Salons to me is almost like Woody Allen's scarier geekier younger brother you ever seen an episode of the Venture Brothers where there's like that man fish? No. He looks exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I need to watch the Venture Brothers. Yeah, me too. Yes. All right, what's next, sir? Oh, on my list. Yes. We're going a, to in a similar vein, uh, the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade trailer. I love that trailer. I never saw it. I'm curious. Did they play that in theaters? Because I saw it on a VHS copy of a, of a, of a Paramount movie, obviously. But I've never saw it in the theater. Yeah. Being alive in 1989. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> Just curious. But no, I, I love that trailer. I wish there were more like that. The whole behind-the-scenes thing. and They don't give a daggum thing away. And it's just you know it's 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 all just the just how much fun they're having on the set and some of the cool sets and just the tease of what the movie looks like. But you have no idea what the movie's about from that trailer. Yeah, 
just that they had so much fun making it. And what 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 better way to to, to pimp a movie? And it's such a fun movie too. Oh yeah, it's one of those times where where the movie actually carries through and follows through on the fun that you're expecting to have. And I've seen the full theatrical trailer, and I like this trailer better. Yes. Next, sir. This is kind of my last kind of gimmicky trailer, but the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy internet trailer. That's a wonderful trailer, yeah. yeah. Good stuff. I think that really started, the, I think everyone really started to notice the inner world after that. Yeah. It's it's a great postmodernist trailer, and I love like how they, they say like in it, um, they they use that really cool song uh, called "We Love You" in the soundtrack, and yeah, it's just it. That's my favorite of all the. There were a couple of trailers for that movie, but that was my favorite of all. It's good. Nice. Um, now we get into kind of the trailers. That's more to my taste. Kind of a combination of imagery and music, which would be the Sin City trailer. Mm, yeah, which is an outstanding trailer. I mean, you knew right off the bat that this is the thing where, you know, if you know anything about the comic, you know, wow, this is the comic completely just somehow transferred to cellular. But I had never, like, read the comic when I'd seen this trailer, and I was, like, blown away. And I, think it's, great. I think a lot of it is the music, too, and I've heard the actual song, and the lyrics in it are, like, ridiculous. <laughs> but just taking away that, like, it, it in combination with the imagery, I think, is, like, just amazing. I remember I bought the soundtrack the score for Sin City hoping to get that song and it wasn't on there. <laughs> but it sounds like I didn't miss much. No. No. Okay. Right on. What you got next? Well, so the uh, There Will Be Blood trailer, I think this was the second or third trailer actually for it, but it's such a strangely put together trailer. Yeah. Like how it uses Johnny Greenwood's score and it uses certain pieces of dialogue and how long it goes on for and this kind of the uncomfortableness of it. it I, f- I find it really striking. Yeah, yeah, no question. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I remember seeing it in the theater and I'm sitting around people like, what was that? You know, it, it, it's so, it, it is so strange. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, for kind of a typical Hollywood block, this is, this I guess goes into the classic trailer category of great trailer bad movie but the pearl harbor trailer well it's all the the uh, thin red line music if i remember correctly. well that's why it's so good <laughs> <laughs> it's so haunting um really really quick i want to interject i um was invited to a denver screening it was a preview screening of pearl harbor uh, a couple months before it was open and i didn't make it in um they were only letting in like the first 300 people who showed up and i just i just missed getting in but apparently i talked to some people who were in line ahead of me and they saw the film and they said it was nothing but temp music and they used all the thin red line music it's like yeah all the music in the trailer was in the movie <laughs> so i wonder, wonder if that would have helped things yeah but i'm just thinking of how that fooled that trailer fooled so many people I've got a few tra- trailers on my list where I hate the movie, but there's no denying that the, the trailer's right. good. I think you're right, Ethan, though. I mean, that trailer, I mean, people were talking Oscar. I mean, people don't remember that, and they don't want to admit that now, but, I mean, Pearl Harbor looked like an Oscar contender early on in the year. I mean, people were saying, like, this could be, like, the first big Oscar movie of the year, and then it opened, and people said, no, no. Oh, wait, it's Michael Bay, my bad. Although, although you know, to be completely fair, it did win a couple Academy Awards. It won for sound, I think maybe sound editing. So it is an Oscar-winning movie, so... So looking quick. back on it, maybe the POV of the bomb dropping should have been a bit of a, a sign. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Shameless. Fair enough, sir. 
Next, uh, one I think that's on our list is the Watchmen trailer. It's one of my favorites. It's a fine trailer. I love that trailer. I've watched it many, many times. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think a lot of it may just come from the fact that it was like, holy crap, they did it. And just like kind of like going over certain things and being like, oh my God, it's real. But yeah, I think it's well put together and I think the, the choice of song is awesome. Yeah, you said it, Ethan. I mean, some of these trailers, like it's just it's just a perfect mix with the music, and mm-hmm. you know, who would have thought a Smashing Pumpkin song? No one remembers off the Batman and Robin soundtrack. That's what made me happy about the trailer, though. I was like, I love that song. Yeah, me too. I've always loved that song. Yeah, I, I, I likewise, I have the Batman and Robin soundtrack. But yeah, it's a, it's a terrific. And you're right. It's 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 the great. It's the reveal of all the stuff you want to see in the Watchmen movie. It. it Boy, does it capture the tone of that movie? Lots of slow motion in that movie. Lots of <laughs> lots of slow motion. Which, in retrospect, should have been a warning. Right, right. But for me, the warning was when subsequent tra- trailers. Excuse me. There was like almost no dialogue. Mm-hmm. I never got any sense. Like, well, how's the acting in this movie? But there you go. Yep. Uh, this one, next one. This is actually, I think, maybe my favorite movie trailer of all time. But it's the first Jarhead trailer. I think, again, the use of Jesus Walks, I don't know what, what quite it is, but the way it's combined with the imagery, I, I can't quite describe it, but I think it's amazing. Yeah, it's a hypnotic trailer, I agree. Who would have thought? I, you know, I think that's the first Kanye West song I ever heard because of that trailer. But yeah, I agree. See, it's, I heard it because of Dave Chappelle's Block Party, but you know. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. I forgot I was in that. That's yes. Yeah, same year, same year. But no, I, I agree with you. That is a, that is a striking trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think uh, it's it's weird too how it, it, it switches tones halfway through, and uh, yeah, it's it's a really interesting. Trend. And I think the movie's actually pretty good too. So, yeah, right on. And a similar Sam Mendes in the, the uh, American Beauty trailer. I think this is I think it's made purely by uh, the Who though. Hmm. Bab O'Reilly, that synth line in particular. I just remember loving the trailer and going like opening weekend and being just about the only guy in the entire theater. I, you know, I think the the trailer complements the movie very yes. nicely. I mean, some of these films, these these short, you know, some of these trailers, they're like short movies that almost play like an an add on to the motion picture. And I, I agree. I think the I think the trailer American Beauty just it nails the tone of that film so nicely because I think. Even though American Beauty is this classic and one best picture, I think that would be a movie really easy to give the wrong idea of what it is. Mm-hmm. Either to play up the comedy too much or to play up the drama too much or to make it like an issue movie or whatever. But I think the trailer really sells a really difficult movie, which yes. is not easy. Absolutely. Uh, another one, the Mer- the first Marie Antoinette trailer. Oh, perfect. I remember this causing, like, this getting a big, like, because it had the New Order song and it'd be yeah. like, oh, what is this? And again, I think it's just a combination of music and imagery and it is is really interesting. And uh, again, it, it gives you a good indication of what the movie actually is like. Yeah, isn't that funny? I mean, it's almost like the Tree of Life trailer. It really is like, it's like an abbreviation of what it's like to watch the film. It completely captures the tone, the content, and the message of the movie, which is very debatable. And same with the, with the trailer. You go, well, what is this thing exactly? But... Yeah, I think a lot of people looked at that trailer as kind of being a sizzle reel, if you will, of just kind of what you're in for overall, 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 overall. And then, no, that's really the movie. And I think that's, that's that, that messed like. with people's yeah. preconceptions a bit. Sure, sure. I think people are still confused about that movie. 
Uh, the next one is, this is also one of my favorite trailers of all time, maybe like my top five, is the Pineapple Express Red Band trailer. <laughs> oh, God. I was dying just watching it this morning. I forgot how funny that trailer is. It's just, and again, and again, the use of MIA in it is just amazing. It's like it's Comedy trailers, usually, they just kind of get by being funny. But this is just beautifully like put together. And it's like a, a hypnotic trailer for a comedy. Yeah, when uh, Josh went and saw the film, the weekend it opened, I guess he and his buddy just blasted MIA in their cars. They drove to the theater, and he said, like, I think the first thing he told me when he called me, because I'm like, how is the movie? And he's just like, there's no MIA song. And he was so angry. He's like, how can they not have it in the movie? It's the best trailer. And that song, it blew up, right? I'd heard it a few times before the trailer, but I feel like right when that trailer came out, that song just blew up. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Uh, next to my list, the uh, Terminator Salvation theatrical trailer. This is just like kind of a really good blockbuster trailer, and uh, the way it's set to Nine Inch Nails is awesome. I think this is probably my favorite one on your list, uh, other than Watchmen. Yeah, I, this is another trailer. I just I tend to watch a lot when I'm like, you know, killing time on YouTube. I yeah, exactly. The Nine Inch Nails, uh, the Day of the World went away. I think it's called. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah amazing amazing mixture of imagery and music it's it's like all of the action highlights in the movie no anton yelchin i gotta say yeah um because because that's that's the one thing i watched the trailer and like you know that's one of my favorite things about the movie that the the trailer completely misses the whole kyle reese angle which i love um and i like the movie too but uh i gotta say the movie is not quite as awesome as the tra- <laughs> as that trailer man that trailer is amazing yeah, uh, next is uh, the Fountain theatrical trailer, which this, I actually like more than the movie. This is so close to being on my list. You know, uh, my, it's interesting that we're kind of split on this. I love the teaser trailer to the Fountain more than this trailer. Do you okay. remember the teaser? Vaguely. It lasts like 30 seconds. It's just a quick flip. It literally, the camera keeps flip, The camera keeps flipping. Like, this time, this time, and this time. I Jackman, this that. time, this time, this time. Rachel Weisz, like, this, this, and this. And that's it. It's this quick blur of imagery. And it's very percussive with its music. And it, it goes by in a flash. Nobody knew what the heck it was. And it was, that, that teaser trailer was out, I think, a year before the film was out. Um, but that, that, that's my favorite. Why do you like this one, Ethan? I think it, it it's like it takes all the drama from the movie, mm. and I think kind of compacted it actually works a little better. <laughs> I need to see this one again because honestly, I saw it. This was back when we were with our, our other, that other website. That, that other website, yeah. I need to see the film again. Mm. I honestly don't think I still I've got f- it downstairs if you want to borrow. It. Yeah, I might just have to borrow it from it. I think I got it on Blu-ray. I got some problems with this movie, but man, it is poetic. Well, it's Moby in a bubble. That's it the is, problem. That you, that's the big problem. You that have. was one of my problems. But you know, I can't deny. You know, Hugh Jackman is heartbreaking in this movie. It's it it probably is his best performance. Well, I no, think so. Prestige came out the same year. Oh, I got to go with the Prestige. I do. I I can't, but okay. <laughs> I understand. All right, what's next, sir? I think this is maybe the most famous movie trailer of all time. The Three Hundred trailer. Yeah. Man, did that that trailer sold that freaking movie, man? Like, I think it is like it's amazing how that line "This is Sparta" it became iconic before the movie came out. Yes, yes. It's the only reason why "Meet the Spartans" came out like so shortly after three hundred. They're like, oh, this is the movie. I, I wonder if like if either the movie or the trailer or just the reputation of three hundred is what gave us the visionary director of three hundred and the Watchmen <laughs> trailer. That's that's still. <laughs> I'm never going to get over that, the visionary. And what was it? Um, 
Yeah, the, the, the guy who directed Wanted. He's got a new movie coming out called The Dark of Light or some crap. It's some awful CGI movie coming out. That isn't Christmas. even directed by him. But doesn't the trailer say from the visionary it's director? Like it's presented by the visionary director. Okay, of yeah, it's from the, yeah, from the visionary director <laughs> of Wanted. And Look, I like Wanted. It's a fun movie, but visionary, the visionary director. So, so visionary. Because wasn't wasn't that the same thing in um, V for Vendetta? Weren't the Wachowski brothers called the visionary directors of the Matrix? Isn't that where that started? You can make an argument because of the Matrix movie. Though. Sure, like I would, I would Matrix, call those yeah. guys visionary because of Bound, if not for the Matrix. But yeah, but wow, the guy who did Wanted. No, sorry, I'm sorry, Ethan. I totally sidetracked it. Sorry about the odd sound effects. People were having, folks were having a little bit of technical issues, but we're back. So yeah, you might hear it another time or two. Hopefully, we'll try through. to keep it to a minimum. But yeah, visionary director. Uh, and one last thing, they they use uh, again Nine Inch Nails, uh, just like you imagined. Mm. And that's off their double album, The Fragile. It's funny listening to that song, like after it's like, how is this not music made specifically for a trailer? It just so feels that way. <laughs> that's a good point. There you go. Yeah. Well, what you got next, sir? <laughs> and the Where the Wild Things Are trailer. Either one, really. That is such a fine trailer. That made my list, too. It's a beautiful, beautiful trailer. It's a lot more upbeat than the film. <laughs> it is. It is. It's one of those things where it kind of sets different expectations than you end up yeah, having. Yeah, because I, uh, no question, I love the film. I stand by it. It's on my top ten list of, of films that year. But Man Alive, it, uh, that movie depressed a lot of people. And I don't. I think one of the reasons that people are so disappointed is because that trailer made it look like it was, it, it, it's... I think it's a rich film, but it's obviously not a fun movie. And but the trailer makes it look like a lot of fun. Well, and too, I I remember this too. Like people were like, "Oh man, have you heard of this band Arcade Fire?" <laughs> it's like just remember just like slapping my forehead. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard of them five years ago. <laughs> I had the same thing, Ethan, uh, a couple of years back. No, it was ten years ago when I first started teaching. Um, the Sting song "Desert Rain" came out, and I had a student ask me, like, "Dude, have you heard of this guy named Sting? I think he's like brand new, but like he's got the song out. It's amazing." And I said, "Yeah, you know, I used to be a fan of Sting when he was with the Police." And he's like, "Dude, he was a cop." <laughs> <laughs> high schoolers, high schoolers. Okay, yeah, young uh, high schoolers. Okay, freshmen. Yeah, yeah. Okay, very good, very yeah. good Dave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just guessing. Yeah. All right. I, I see you got one more, sir. Yeah, this is. I think I kind of sent the wrong word. I sent the theatrical Benjamin Buncher, but I think I meant the teaser, the one that uses the music from uh, Days of Heaven. That's right. Yes. Yeah. I think that trailer again. No words, just the music, random images. At the end, you're like, "Oh, that's what it is." It's a great trailer. Better, far better than the actual movie. <laughs> it's yes. a magical trailer. I agree, and yes. it's uh, it doesn't take as much time to watch the trailer as it does to watch the movie. <laughs> wow. I like Ben Button. I stand by it on my top ten list. But I think great scenes. I don't. I don't know if I still think it's a great movie, but great. I think there's great individual scenes. I liked out. it when it came out, but kind of thinking about it in retrospect, I I really do not like it. Okay. Is it kind of like Forrest Gump? Do you think the phenomenon kind of like kind of killed it? Part of that, I I, I think part of the problem was just that the char- the character of Benjamin Button is a complete potato. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that drove me nuts is when Captain America came out. Remember, they're like, "Yeah, man, they're totally gonna Ben Button Chris Evans." That drove me nuts. I heard that all summer really? long. Wow, they're totally gonna Ben Urban Button him, man. It's the coolest thing. Wow. 
Okay. What a friend too. He's like, he's studying creative writing and he wants to be a screenwriter and he holds up the curious gates of Benjamin button as like the greatest film ever made. Wow. He's like, it's like, it's the best. It's the perfect screenplay. And we've gotten into tons of arguments about it, but he's I, a good guy. I probably like the movie more than any of us. And I wouldn't even go anywhere near there. I think it's a beautiful film. It moved me immensely when I saw it and I thought it was very touching and, and gorgeous, gorgeous sequences. Um, but yeah, no, I wouldn't go there. Yeah, especially considering who directed this movie. Considering yeah. what he did right before. I mean, I think I think Zodiac is is up there with some of the greatest movies ever made. I mean, I think Zodiac is a mega masterpiece. I, I think Ben Button was him answering all his critics who were, who used to say, "Oh, he doesn't have a heart. He has no heart. There's no heart in his movies." And this was him saying, "You know, but even if you I think that movie, honestly, why he did it is just it was the chance to have 150 million dollars. <laughs> It reminds me of that that line from Jerry Maguire where 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 Cuba Gooding's like I'm all hot mother. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. All right, I guess I'll go next. I'll, I'll let you wrap it up, Barry. Okay. Um, I will start. Uh, I'm just. I didn't rank these at all. Um, but I'm going to start off with a movie that is one of the most biggest disappointments because of this. I couldn't find this trailer anywhere on YouTube. I could. I scoured the internet and couldn't find this trailer. I asked Barry and he remembered it. But the initial teaser trailer for the Phantom Menace. That had nothing in it. It's essentially like the 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 Imperial Walker, the 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 transports coming over the hill. Yeah, and it just set, set this grandiose feeling. It's like what, like thirty seconds long? If that. I got this this trailer on VHS when it was on Entertainment Tonight when it premiered. Okay. I still had that tape. I was gonna say the one you sent me was the uh, Duel of the Fates video. Fates music video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which <laughs> uh, you know honestly worked as a trailer. I had trailer fun too. watching that. <laughs> well, it's fun. It's fun to me because I think I said this before on the show once, but. My friend Jake, his senior quote in high school was the uh, URL link to the YouTube video for that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> wow. But that that first that that trailer really it, it capitalized on everything everyone every fanboy had memory wise of the of the Star Wars trilogy, the original trilogy, of the magic of of the craziness of what we're going to expect and it just gave us this glimpse because that full te- that full trailer that everything shows is the teaser. That's not a teaser. That's a full trailer, and you start seeing stuff that now you can worry about right off the bat. But that initial trailer was just such a perfect little taste. And I remember going to a guy's house who downloaded it. It was literally like two inches wide by an inch high, and it took him like two days to download because the servers were so overloaded. And we sat in his room and watched that trailer on a loop for like an hour. And I loved it. And then the movie came out. That's but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but that trailer was amazing, especially as a teaser. I don't know that a teaser's ever really grabbed me on that level. Sure, no, it's it's great filming. Even Kevin Smith said, I mean, we all know historically what that movie did in terms of box office, a freaking trailer. I mean, that thing blew up the internet, it blew up movie theaters showing the siege and meet Joe Black. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, coming up next, I know it's because everyone remember, only remembers the ransom because of, give me back my son. Right. But what I love about the movie is that it takes, it, it shows you the dark turn within the space of the trailer without giving everything away. Like it starts off as this nice friendly family comedy, you know, this family movie about this guy who's come up from nothing and, and he's made it and he's made a, himself a rich man. And then suddenly his son gets taken and the, the trailer turns er, ugly. I didn't remember the trailer turning that ugly. And I thought it was it's pretty cool that it doesn't reveal that Gary Sinise is the right. Yeah, yeah, yes. That, yeah. that he's that one guy. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. 
I just it's 15 it. years old. If, if 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 anyone's listening to Screen Geeks, they probably know the twist in Ransom. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, for the people who may... The, there you go. Yes. For the people who are like, ooh, that sounds uh, like a I good I did think it was funny, though. It would be, it was like, directed by Ron Howard. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the really deep, gravelly voice, directed by Ron Howard. Yes. The director of Splash. Yeah. like <laughs> I, don't know that, I don't know that there's been a better movie that he's made, though. Oh, I disagree. I think he's done better films. Have you? I like the paper better. The Grinch better. was pretty sweet. Which one? The Grinch. Oh, God. Oh. Now, the paper's my favorite, but I also love Gung Ho, Cocoon, Backdraft, Far and Away I love. Uh, okay. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. You didn't think the Elmo's? But no, sorry. Sorry. Okay. He, uh, didn't, he didn't direct that one. He directed The Missing instead oh, of right. The Elmo. That's yeah, right. The Missing right. That's right. Sunk. Yeah. Uh, up next, I've got Hard Candy, which not only has one of my favorite posters of all time, this trailer really plays with preconceptions quite well, I thought. Um, you still you get an inkling of what's coming in the movie, but it doesn't give it completely away. Yeah, the, the whole thing with the with the window shutters, yes, brilliant, great, and the quick flash montage at the end of it also great. You're not sure what's going to go on; you just know it's. You don't know if he's really just a, if he's trying to kill her because he's a psycho and she's trying to escape or. Because that's the vibe that gives off, and then when you watch the movie, it's a whole, whole. Yeah, you get the sense there's a there's a struggle, but you don't really know the whole one-upmanship ship that goes on. Yeah, I, I I like this trailer a lot too. I, I forgot how good that was. Yeah, and then obviously the psycho trailer that, that Ethan brought up. It's just it's that's probably my favorite trailer of all time because it's just so much fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it, I love the airplane trailer because it's just so goofy. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. It. it it's such a spoof on all of the disaster movies of the 70s, and that's why I adore it so completely. So, yeah. Um, moving on, I'm going to steal one from Barry. But that, that, I, now I've, dang it, you know, the T2, the, the, the teaser, the teaser for T2 just oh, perfect. blows my mind. Yeah. Oh, such yeah, a I remember seeing that in the theater, like, wow. And of course, you know, again, this is one of my favorite kinds of trailers because it's high concept. It's not in the movie. This is, I think, um, if I remember this correctly, I hope I get this right. James Cameron spent a million dollars making the trailer. Did he really? It really cost a million dollars. Yeah, like that's that's how that's how pimp T two was. I mean, this is the most expensive movie ever ever made. And he, he spent a million dollars making a trailer for a scene that's not even in the movie. Yeah, yeah, and it's just so well done. Um, Speaking of using music, Ethan, I mean, getting back to your point, the music use in Gross Point Blank just blows my mind still in that trailer. It's just such a fun trailer. That's a, yeah, that's a, f- that just listening to that trailer, it's like all these songs we love from the 80s. Yeah, yeah. And, and it gives you, again, what I love about a good trailer is it gives you a good idea of what's coming in the movie. Um, Phantom Menace, okay, what we all hoped was going to come in the movie. Um, and Gross Point Blank really delivered on that because it feels like a fun trailer, but it's also just as fun of a movie. And it shows you how violent the movie is, too. Yeah, and, and you're like, "There's, can it really be this violent? And yes, 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 it can be. And I I love that movie unabashedly. That's one of my favorite Cusack films, hands down. Uh, well, wrong list. Dang it. All right. Next up, um, I love the Escape from L.A. trailer. It's a bit cheesy, but it's I like it a lot of it because it reminds me a lot of the opening of RoboCop. Was it Robo, Or was it RoboCop 2 when they were like, don't talk in the theater? And I can't remember. I can't remember but which one. It, it was that whole thing about you, the second one. It, the thing is that it, that opening video of you know, please enjoy your show. No smoking, no eating, no red meat. It really felt like the the, the announcements that played before movies at the time. Yeah, and I just had so much fun with that. I was like, what's this? What? Oh, this is something else. Yeah, audiences always we, laughed and got it, faked sorry, out when just, I saw it. In terms of the trailer itself, it doesn't really indicate, though. I think a good idea of the movie. 
It doesn't. It, it makes it like really so like goofy. Like you think it's like it's like it ends with like Kurt Russell being like, yeah. Yeah, this is definitely the gimmick movie, the gimmick trailer on my list. But I really enjoyed the gimmick. So. It makes the movie look much more hardcore action packed than it is. Even though <laughs> yes. I think it, I I love Escape from LA. I think it's got more than enough action. But the trailer makes it look pretty freaking awesome plus you know the rob zombie song in the trailer I mean, that, which is in the, in the movie with nice twist that's actually a song written for the movie in fact if you listen to the lyrics of that song the one it's actually about snake plissken which is nice um but yeah i love this trailer because every time i saw it in the theater audiences always fell for it and they always started laughing collectively and yes yeah that's more about the theatrical experience i'm actually going to change the next one on my list i put the superman trailer down but i it's a good one it is but i i the tim burton the batman trailer um that's a good choice. That's really so what I have to go with, honestly. Well, is this be, like the three-minute-long one? Yeah. I think, yeah. What was it? See, it's, this it's brings long. up something I wanted to say about trailers, old trailers. I think a lot of old trailers are really awkward. The, this one definitely can be, um, especially knowing the entire contents of the film. A lot of a lot of my, my love of the trailer really has to do with the context of when it came out. And at that point in time, people were not on board with the Batman movie at right. all. At all, no one wanted to see it at all, and then as soon as you saw Jack and the Joker makeup, you're like, "Okay, I'm 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 on the ride for this." It's a pretty restrained trailer too. I mean, it, it's less than three minutes. But what's remarkable about it is that it, it's almost all the music that they had for the film, and a lot of the scenes don't have any music to them. But you're right, Dave. It was the first time we got to see the Batmobile. First time we saw, oh, Michael Keaton's actually doing it straight. He's not doing Mr. Mom or Beetlejuice. And oddly enough, the scenes they show of Jack are very restrained. Like they don't show his more over-the-top moments, so he does look pretty scary and sinister. Uh, yeah, it's a perfect trailer. This is a very famous trailer because, as you know, they sold copies of this trailer on VHS for $100 each I did not at know comic this. book festivals. This. Yeah, this trailer was hot, hot, hot. And people I were forget, like, was there a print song in the trailer? No, no, not this. This is one. all the score. Uh, yeah, just, just score. Fuck. <laughs> 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 all right, then. Um, and then the last one on my list is... Uh, it's hard to narrow it down to one Terry Gilliam trailer, honestly, because they're all so odd and fun. Yeah. But Brazil so perfectly sets you up for what you're in for. Even though you you are like, there's no way this movie can be as insane as this trailer looks, but it absolutely is. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's why I love it. I think my favorite Gilliam trailer, that's a good choice, though, Dave, because especially as a fan of the movie, it really does capture the film. Um, but I think my favorite Gilliam trailer is probably the one for 12 Monkeys. Cause I it, cause almost it uses, grabbed that one. Because it uses the score from Bram Stoker's Dracula, and it's so powerful in that in the context. Yeah, I almost grabbed it, but just for, on, a, on a trailer basis, just the Brazil one's just so frenetic the whole way through. Well, you know, the Brazil trailer really captures the film. Because i, I got to say, but even though I love the 12 Monkeys one, it doesn't let you in on how goofy and funny the movie actually is. Because mm-hmm. you would assume that it's a really, really heavy, heavy movie. But it's actually a lot funnier than the trailer indicates. The 12 Monkeys one. Yes, yes. So there, there's my list. What, what have you it's, got, Barry? It's a great list. Um, I'll try to go this, these, through these as quickly as I can. Uh, the Congo teaser trailer, which I think is a lot of fun. It's Better just like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> trivia question. The opening scene in the movie where uh, Bruce Campbell finds an eyeball. Whose eyeball is it? It belongs to John Hawks in one of his first roles. It's John Whoa. Hawks, ladies and gentlemen. Whoa. Yeah, look it up. There's uh, interviews with John Hawks about his experience making the movie with Bruce Campbell. And it's funny, funny stuff. Check it out. Um, but yeah, I like the teaser trailer. I don't know if I'd say it's better than the movie, but you know what? It, it made me excited <laughs> for a movie that didn't exist. So. There you go. Uh, the teaser for Nightmare on Elm Street 3, fun, total 
80s cheese, but again, some of these are just fun for when the context with the movie was made. You're right, Dave, and that's total total 80s cheese ball trailer. Scary at the time. The trailer to Tim Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, yes, better than the movie, and oh yeah, a total acid trip fun. I remember like yeah. when that thing came out, it was like I don't like to use this term, but it was the biggest WTF ever online. People going, what the heck is this? Um, it Complete is a, with Carol Channing impressions. <laughs> it is just, nuts. It is a nuts then, trailer. Then the movie turned out just be generic bullcrap. That's the problem because I I do like the film. I do, but I it's one of Tim Burton's most generic and uninteresting films because it's a Tim Burton movie. But man, that trailer! Like if the movie was anything like that trailer, it would terrify children. Yeah. That that trailer is so weird. Um, the, t- the teaser trailer to Roger Avery's The Rules of Attraction, one of my That's favorites. A fine trailer. It's based, and honestly, it's based on the Clockwork Orange trailer, which has a very similar style and approach. Uh, but no question, I mean, it makes an impression, and it, it makes it, it's a lot tamer than the movie itself, I must say. The Star Wars Episode Two trailer. I got to say, most of these Star Wars prequel trailers are pretty good. Better than the movie. (laughs) I will say that. Um, But man, the episode two trailer where it's just Darth Vader breathing, I love that trailer. I thought it was a great approach. It looked like a really brooding, haunting, romantic film. Because it made everyone think. It it made you think that, you know, you're like, okay, maybe the episode one thing is just the setup. Because sometimes the setup can be a little bit dry. Maybe the second movie is going to get better. I thought the second one was better, but that's a whole other episode. All right, on to my top 10 Cliffhanger. Um, I'm actually going out of order. Sorry. Oh, screw it. Comedian. Comedian. Number 10. Comedian. The teaser trailer for Jerry Jerry Seinfeld's uh, Comedian. Not only is it's better than the actual trailer, it's better than the movie. It's a lot more memorable in the movie. And this is kind of like the, the Hitchhiker trailer that Ethan brought up because it does completely make fun of all the notions of what you expect from movie trailers. Um, but I think it's brilliant that you actually get to see the movie trailer guy. And I think it's just a fall-down funny trailer. Yes. Um, Dave, already, we already talked about this, a T2 trailer, brilliant teaser trailer. The trailer for Cliffhanger, we'll jump back to that one again. This is one of the only trailers to ever win an award for Best Short Film of the Year. There are actually some, what was it? I think it was either a golden reel. There's actually a few, not only like trailer awards, but actually film award programs have actually given this an award. Um, it's a stunning trailer. There's it no, there's it no really dialogue, uh, and it's better that you not hear the dialogue in the Stallone film that Stallone wrote. But man, alive! I mean, it's it's kind of a cliche now. I mean, I think Die Hard was the first trailer to do this, but where you intersperse classic music with action movie imagery. But I don't think I've ever seen a trailer do it better than when they did with the, the cliffhanger trailer, which I think is just stunning. Better than watching the movie, honestly. We already talked about the world. The wild thing is trailer, brilliant, perfect, beautiful, moving trailer. The teaser trailer to The Fly too. I love this trailer because again it's a gimmicky trailer it's a scene that's kind of in the movie but not really and it's got that funny audible punchline at the end of it check it out if you haven't seen it. it's better than the movie it is <laughs> already talked about the watchman trailer the teaser trailer for total recall i think it's so freaking cool it I, is i love it, it. Really schwarzenegger is. floating in space and then the the mars pyramids i love it i love it again not scenes that are in the movie just made strictly for the trailer the teaser trailer to Mike Nichols' film Wolf, one of my favorite Jack Nicholson movies, one of my favorite werewolf movies, even though it's kind of low-key and dated now, but I love it. The trailer for this scared the crap out of me mm-hmm. in the theater. It scared me so well, it's bad. It's because the movie's a comedy. The, yeah, the movie really is, I agree, it really is more of a comedy than a, than a, than a horror film, although it, does, it really does try to amp up the horror movie thing, and I, I, I think it's better as being a satire. You're right about that. Uh, but yeah, I love this trailer. I love the mood it evokes. I, I love the whole way it plays with Jack Nicholson's eyeball and the, the use of shadow. Just great, moody trailer. Uh, number, I love this trailer. <laughs> number two, gosh, like this, I, I fought over this one being number one, um, but it, it's so close for me. But yeah, the 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 Friday the Thirteenth Part A Jason Takes Manhattan teaser trailer. 
I remember seeing this on TV, watching a soap opera. I think it was Young and the Restless, watching Young and the Restless. And this was the first commercial break. Like, who advertises a slasher movie during a soap opera? But anyway, uh, if you haven't seen it, Man Alive, it is a great fake-out trailer. It certainly faked me out when I saw it. Uh, and it's got such a great sense of humor. It's got a great tagline. It's got those great shots of New Yorkers going, ah! Yes. Um, I love this trailer. Love, love, love this trailer. And then finally, my number one, uh, the teaser trailer for Catherine Bigelow's Strange Days. This was a trailer that took me years to turn around about because I remember I saw this in the theater when I saw Die Hard with a Vengeance. And like a lot of people in the audience, I booed this trailer. I booed it. because I, like, I did. I'm like, what the heck is that? I, I'd never seen anything quite like it before. Ray Fiennes, at this point, you know, he was known for Schindler's List and Quiz Show, but really nobody knew who he was. He wasn't a big movie star yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it felt kind of obnoxious and just so like, what the heck is this? And it was one of these trailers that over the years I'd always go back to and always think, you know, that's a perfect trailer because it, it sets a tone. It gives you an idea. It doesn't show you a lick of footage. It's got great music. And... You know, just kind of it is. It's also very of its time. It's a very, very '90s trailer. But I yes. love the Strange Days trailer. I think it's. I think it's a perfect way to advertise a movie. I wish more trailers would be that bold. All right. So let us know what your favorite trailers are. I'm curious because I'm sure people are going to come up with ones that we haven't, and I'm sure we're going to have some awful uh, ones too. I just want to bring up something. My yeah. my least favorite trend in current <laughs> movie trailers. Okay. Horror movie trailers. The <laughs> at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Because you always wait for it now. It's just like it's a the given. Dun, yeah. Or or comedy trailers where all of a sudden the music will, there'll be a record scratch and the music will stop for the oh, funny part. Oh, great. It'll be like, dun, dun, dun. And da, 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 da. Funny, ha, ha, ha. Dun, 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 dun. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Starring Kristen Bell. <laughs> oh. Oh, and after Kristen Bell. Well, come on. Uh, when when fair, in Rome, she, she has it coming. Yeah, she has yeah, it coming. Yeah, no, I, 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 uh, I'm really looking forward to the emails because there's a lot of famous trailers we didn't mention. And let me just really quickly, like we didn't mention the one for The Shining, uh, the, the the 1998 uh, trailer for the for Psycho, the remake of Psycho, is awesome. Uh, the Minus Man trailer, which is I thought was going to end up on one of our lists. I hate this trailer. I don't want to talk about it, but it's like it's a gimmick trailer. But I think it's one of the worst gimmicks ever. Basically, the gimmick is that if you don't see this movie, you're going to kill someone. Literally, wow. I hate the trailer for the Minus Man, but it's a very famous trailer. Um, uh, yeah, well, I'll just end it with that. But there's a there's a lot of very famous trailers we could have mentioned, did not mention, and I'd love to hear if it's on somebody else's list or if there are other trailers that people hate as much as we do. I'd love and to hear about it. It's going to be it. a lot of coding, but I'm going to try to post all these on the episode. Post. Wow! Wow! Anybody hate the uh, the dark of the moon trailer as much as I do? Because it's all that space junk, and then you like think like, oh wow, they're literally making a real movie about NASA. And then no, 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 it's it's Transformers. It's robots on the moon. Yeah, yeah. Space yeah. junk is a good Devo song. <laughs> well, that's yeah. the name of your Devo cover band. <laughs> I don't know. I like Devo. I saw them in yeah. concert. Right on. They were good. Cool. I could have bought one of those like square hats, you know, but it was uh-huh. like forty dollars for a little plastic hat. Well, yeah, no, good yeah. concert though. Yeah, right on. Cool. So yeah, let us know. There will be. Well, we'll have all the feedback information once we get through all our feedback because we've got a little bit to get through. But first, what's hitting theaters this week? This week in theaters, I don't know how she does it. And by I, that I mean I don't know how she keeps making these crappy movies. I was going to say how, does, how she does. How does Sir Jessica Parker keep getting parts? Okay, I think she's a gifted actress. She's very funny, but. 
she's got to stop making these stupid movies. Yeah, this is Sarah Jessica Parker and Greg Kinnear, romantic comedy. The remake of Straw Dogs that we've mentioned, uh, just to be clear about this, this movie was made four years ago. Was it really? It was made four It sat on the shelf for years. This is a very talented director. Rod Lurie is a great director, no question. James Marsden and uh, Kate... Kate which I, wait, it? I doubt it's four years ago because the guy from True Blood's in it. So I doubt I doubt he would have been cast in a movie in a big role before True Blood. Hmm. But it's old. So I don't think it's four years. Maybe three. I'm serious. Like this thing is old. It's old. It's at least three years old. They shot it a long time ago. Okay. But in any case, yeah, Bosworth. Sorry, I'm like Beckinsale, Winslet. No, Bosworth. Uh, the remake of Straw Dogs approached with caution, or better yet, just to do what Ethan did. Like. Watch the original film. I, I'll bet you anything it kicks ass more than the new one. One of the most critically claimed films of the year. I'm excited about this one, Drive, starring Ryan oh, Gosling. Oh, I'm seeing that on Monday. Oh, you lucky duck. Oh, oh man. I am so, like, freaking excited. Oh, God. You stinker. I can't wait to hear it. Wait, what when is the screening here? Oh, it's like that's like nine nine in the morning on Monday, isn't it? Wait a minute, we got an email about it. Do we? Yeah, hang on. Yeah, I don't care. I'm I go at like five in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I was like, screw you guys. I'm gonna. Yeah, go that's because you don't have a job. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember when we're getting it, but yeah, hang can't on, wait to see on. drive. I'm, I'm gonna pull it up. Go ahead. Keep All going. right, and then finally, in limited release, so the new film by Gus Van Sant, really mixed reviews. This one's called Restless. Uh, the good news it stars the son of the late Dennis Hopper, who's apparently very good in it. The bad news it also stars. Mia Wazakowska. All right, then. Yeah, it's it's Monday morning at 9, Cherry Creek. M- Monday morning at 9? Wow. I'm going to think about that. <laughs> if only I weren't working. All right. Well, you, can, you know, you, you can get sick. Yeah. Does your boss listen to this show? No. no. Faking but, illness? But he might. He's a movie nerd, and I, I know he's been looking at it. So when I, I worked at Office Space. Not off, Office Max. I used to work <laughs> at Office Max. <laughs> it was the same thing, like working at Office Space. When I worked at Office Max and I was in the Copy Max section, you know what always got me out of work whenever I wanted to like, take a day off? Gonorrhea, diarrhea. Pick one of the Rias. Okay. Tell them you've got it. They don't want to know. They don't want explanations. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do whatever you got to do. Come back whenever you feel better. Yeah. That's yeah. always the magic thing. I think thing. you could work with gonorrhea. Yeah, gonorrhea, you know. Wow. Because they don't want to know how you got that. But then diarrhea, they don't want to know about the symptoms. They don't know want to know. They don't want to know anything. They're just like, oh, okay, okay, okay sure, 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 do whatever you got to do. You just dump a bucket of water into the toilet and be like, oh, okay. I, Let's I never stop that. Like, it was never like performance art when I did it. Wow. I don't know. I, my apologies to the audience for just going there. But okay, what's hitting home video hey, next week? We're, we're, we're giving, you know, this is, this is, we're this is good stuff. We're givers. Okay. Yeah, we're givers. Yeah, seriously. I bet anybody listening is be like, ooh, that's good. I never used that before. <laughs> Available next week, maybe not. Next week on DVD, uh, Bridesmaids, probably the funniest film of the year. Probably, definitely the funniest movie this summer, no question. Now available on DVD. Castle, season three, great show, getting it better. Is. I'm curious to see what the next season is going to be like. It's going to be really... Yeah, because yeah. that was quite the cliffhanger. Yeah. I did catch that. I mean, there's no way they're yeah. going to go where they're threatening to go. That's true. But you're still curious what they're yeah, going to do. Because the minute they consummate the relationship, the show's done. Let's well, face yeah. it. And The Kennedys, one of the most controversial TV movies of the year. Greg Kinnear as GFK and Katie Holmes as uh, as Jackie Onassis, now available on DVD. It's been on Netflix for a while. Hawaii Five O, the new Hawaii Five O with Scott Kahn, available season one. Good show. I gotta say, I was pretty happy. I've, with I haven't it. seen it. So. It's good. It's good. Okay. Good cop show. 
Uh, Mad Magazine, season one. This is the Cartoon Network show where it's all animated and it's based on, uh, well, basically based on Mad Magazine, but all the writing. So this is not to be confused with Mad TV, which was very hit and miss. This is based on just the brilliance that is Mad do Magazine. They, do they do movie parodies? Apparently they do movie parodies. They do The Lighter Side of. Do they I don't do know Spy if, versus Spy? I don't know if they do Spy versus okay. Spy, but okay. apparently it's, apparently this is really great. I mean, I heard like Mad, I haven't seen it yet. Mad Magazine fans have told me like, this is really great. And I'm a life, lifetime Mad Magazine fan and subscriber so, all right then so i need to check this out clearly i'm behind the times criterion is releasing la Bue serge and les cousins uh the cousins directed both directed by shod uh <laughs> claude chabral one of the great great french master filmmakers check it out criterion you can't go wrong there one of the great disney films dumbo i love yes. dumbo you like dumbo yeah yeah the part where where she rocks him and she's in the and then she's in the jail. Yeah. Oh God, kills me, kills me every time. I love Dumbo. I think it's a beautiful film. Terry Pratchett going postal. Yes, this is the third of the th- the Terry Pratchett movies that were made. We had uh, the Hogfather, which you've seen. Yes, and then oh uh, shoot, wasn't that Color of Magic with Sean Astin was was the second one. This is the third one, which is actually pretty start. I think it's quite good. Of uh, Steph saw it, and she's a huge Pratchett fan, mm. and said they divert from the book pretty significantly. Uh. But I still, I love the show. Okay. The movie, so, yeah. All right. Uh, Available on Blu-ray, you've got Scary Movie 2 and 3. Yippee! The only re- the only reason I'd watch Scary Movie two again is if they included the Marlon Brando footage because you know Brando was supposed to play the James Woods priest role at the beginning of the movie, which is the funniest part of the movie. That was Brando. They shot his scenes, but apparently, like they didn't get to finish it totally, and then he died, and then that was that. Scary Movie two was Brando's last movie. People don't know that. Wow! <laughs> I, I like to imagine the Wayans brothers directing him. <laughs> <laughs> and imagine like, like turning it into like apocalypse now also available on blu-ray a uh, vamp a not bad 80s vampire comedy it's not the lost boys it's pretty stylish it's kind of like after hours with fangs it's very stylishly made it's fun it stars getty watanabe and grace jones who is yes. awesome grace jones is always awesome hit kind of a hit and miss movie but it's fun if you're into like 80s nostalgic horror films dead heat not a good film this is the cast the, is enough to make me huh? this is treat williams i've seen this treat williams and joe piscopo in a zombie cop movie my, and Vincent Price is in it. Vincent Price has a very small role. Yes, this is a uh, my buddy Jeff and I watched this in college. This is a bad film. There's a magic potion that makes big people into zombies. It's literally like a magic potion or magic dust. There's a scene where they they dump it on the contents in a deli, and all of a sudden, all the like the salami and sandwich meats come to life. No. Okay, I'll be skipping that one. It's that kind of movie. Okay, in a more classic sense, though, this movie is not one of my favorites. Uh, Blake Edwards' Breakfast at Tiffany's. I'm not a fan. <laughs> You don't I've like never Rooney it? Come on. I hate the Mickey Rooney portion, <laughs> especially. You know, I'm, I'm super sensitive about that kind of crap. But I just. Dude, they should totally remake that and get Ken Jong in there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Getting wow. Watsonabi and Ken Jong, same episode. Yep. Yep. Freaking breakfast activities. I hate that stuff. I've never liked uh, uh, um, Audrey Hepburn's character in this movie all that much. She's, yeah, just kind of a, a materialistic little. Yeah. It's a very dated film. We yeah. got to be honest. And the Moon River is a beautiful song, no question. But yeah, I, I've never, I've never been on board with this movie. No. Finally, best, definitely the best for last. Alejandro Amenabar's The Others, released ten years ago. Another ten-year anniversary special edition of a Blu-ray DVD and <laughs> Blu-ray. With this is Nicole Kidman ghost story. I think it's still one of the best, best movie ghost stories. Period. But I think it's Nicole Kidman's best performance. Maybe. Nah, not her best movie, but best performance, and I love this film. It's, it's a gonna, fine film. It's going to look great on Blu-ray. Yes, yes. 
All right, shall we move on to the emails? Yes. We've got emails, we've got voicemails, we've got entry. We have an entry for the uh, voicemail contest. That's what happens when we shut down from I know. Everybody catches up. I know. It's great. No kidding. No kidding. Um, okay, so this first one, uh, it's from Jack over at Screen Geeks UK. Hey, guys, do a Dawson's Creek episode and make my dreams come true. <laughs> this is coming from a man who owns all six seasons on DVD, bought a poster of the show from David last year's San Diego Comic Con, and maybe the only person in the world who owns the book Dawson's Creek, A Critical <laughs> Understanding. Do it, please. Cheers, Jack. P.S. Love the critic episode, despite not knowing half the critics you discussed. If I can throw my favorite critic into the ring, I'd highly recommend Mark Kermode. Oh, I hope I pronounced that properly. Uh, yeah, that's you got it. Okay, cool. I strongly disagree with him a lot of the time, but love his work with a passion. Um, all right. And then cool. the next one. Oh, wait. Do we want to well, address okay. yeah, that? Yeah, sure. Or sure, do sure. we want to like, pretend I we didn't hear so that? Down. Dawson's Creek. It's not on Netflix. I'm trying to get through six do we seasons. Wanna, like, do we want to like be at the Make-A-Wish Foundation for Jack and like watch, <sighs> make his dream, his dreams come true? I say Dave? pencil it in for the weekend that Zack Snyder's Man of Steel comes out summer 20, 2013. <laughs> we have the time to do it. It's yeah, that's the kind of time we're gonna need. If it were to be on Netflix, uh, on Watch Instantly, I would probably then be we'll down jump for on it. All right, yeah. so well, we'll keep an eye out. But for considering it. we have to get through six seasons of DVDs, that's that's I'm not. Yeah. Wow, I'd be willing to. I mean, I'd be willing to start at like the first two seasons, but six. Wow, yeah, it's a lot of Dawson. It is, and a lot of Joey and Pacey. And Pacey, yeah, Can't those are the Pacey. only names I remember. So gay quarterback, <laughs> hot for teacher. There it is. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to wait. There it is. There, that's what I was waiting for right there. <laughs> wow. All right, what else we got? Um, <laughs> all right, you know, I will say the one thing about Breakfast at Tiffany's I like is the score. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Henry Mancini. Can't yeah, beat that. My, my favorite bass player of all time, uh, uh, bleh, bleh, Abraham Laboreal, did a, a bass solo version of the Breakfast at Tiffany's theme that's amazing. Nice. I'll let you listen to it some more. It's, it's outstanding. What do you okay. think of Sarah McLaughlin? Her score for Dawson's Creek. Well, to, to, take it up, to take it back. There it is. There it is. Not a fan? I, I just, Never liked Sarah eh. McLaughlin? Yeah. Not the biggest of fans. 80, uh, no? No. No? No. no. I, I love... <laughs> the closest thing to Sarah McLaughlin liking is uh, when Daniel Tosh was talking about how that song she does for like the, the killing of animals or whatever it is. <laughs> like... Make, how, how that can make anything not funny and he proceeds to show videos of like monkeys peeing on themselves and all kinds of stuff and <laughs> it, it finds a way to make it not funny yeah. I haven't seen I keep hearing about this commercial have you seen that Ethan with Sarah McLaughlin I've seen this spoof of it on Saturday Night Live okay I haven't even seen this yet yeah I guess like Sarah McLaughlin made a PETA commercial or? yeah something like that I yeah. don't know it's, it's save, yeah. the, save the animals I need I to know. see this thing I keep hearing about it yeah you need to see the spoof videos too I'm just okay. saying okay one more email alright hello Screen Geeks Thanks for mentioning Joe Bob Briggs on the critic episode. Oh, yeah. He is the first critic I think of. Sorry, Ebert. A great big <laughs> critic can be found at the, at the site, and you call yourself a scientist. Liz does breakdowns of a variety of films, both good and bad. Come for the look at Jer Jekyll and Hyde films, starting with the early 1900s efforts, and stay for a breakdown of the Amityville Horror and all of its sequels, and yes, the Haunted Lamp movie is there. Wow. Dave, yes, the first half of season one of Glee. Yes, he's a, he's a big Glee fan. Uh oh. Uh, yes, the first half of season one of Glee was not as good as the first as the the second half was not as good as the first half. It's like they knew they were going to get canceled and did not plan past that. The Rocky Horror episode is actually really good, and on the whole, the changes the the changes to the songs are explained to my liking. Plus, network TV cannot say seat wedding, not in that context. <laughs> the show is still awesome, though I'm sure Barry will say it was. 
not oh i thought i was gonna use the other the, the word that you're more known for oh sorry <clears throat> sorry here we go <clears throat> overrated there it is okay Owen Barry, I liked The Watcher. It's the only time Keanu Reeves has actually acted. <laughs> the only time? <laughs> now to my alternate universe casting. Universal wanted Seth Green to play Jay and Mallrats. So how about him with Chris Farley as Silent Pop? Wow. Yes. Oh, I'd love to see Farley back. I miss that guy. Yes. I think we can all agree we want to see an episode one with Haley Joel Osment. I do. Yeah, as opposed to Jake I Lloyd. I really do. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that would help. I really do. I remember the first, as soon as I walked down, I'm like, why didn't they just get him? Yeah, and apparently he auditioned. Didn't you hear that he auditioned? Yeah. And Lucas is like, nah, we like the kid from Fort Collins, Colorado. There it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Titanic with M- Matthew McConaughey would have given us the chance to see him die. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me why, but for some reason, I want to see Tom Arnold instead of Michael Caine in a Harry Palmer movie. Wow. Tom Arnold. They're, that wow. is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> McDowell, McDowell was amazing, but what about Rucker Howard? Rucker Howard, sorry, in a Clockwork Orange, or Howard actually getting to play Lestat? Ooh, yeah. The yeah. Clockwork Orange thing—that's that's that's a little surreal. But yeah, you know, the, the, he was the original choice of Anne Rice for Lestat, so I would like to see that. I'd still like to see that. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and now to the weird. Paul Mooney is responsible for me wanting to see Malcolm X with Wayne Brady. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. Harold and Kumar starring Azif Manvi from The Daily Show and Ken Jeong. Huh. Sorry. And the dream project is, of course, Men in Black starring Christopher Walken and Marlon Wayans. Keep bringing the shows, Billy Flynn. That was great. I did think of one that I actually broke Flynn's brain with. Um, Because Steph has started doing Tommy Wiseau jokes occasionally now. Okay. And so I'll do impressions. And occasionally, my my Tommy Wiseau turns more into Arnold Schwarzenegger. So what if Arnold Schwarzenegger was in the room? That's wonderful, Dave. Wow, that should be his comeback film. So it would show the, the range remake. of his range as an actor that has eluded audiences for years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. I love that you and Stephanie are doing room jokes. Yeah, doing yeah. Tommy Wiseau jokes. That's, Every once in a while, yeah, yeah, man. They're, they're they're coming around. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, so we got a couple of voicemails here. Um, I'll play the first one first, and we'll go from there. Yeah. Okay, here's my cast of uh, a movie like you suggested. You were talking about James Woods and the Specialist being the only thing worth seeing. So redo the specialist, only this time James Woods is the mob boss that Rod Steiger was, make Ryan Phillippe his reckless son. Only this time let's switch the genders on the leads and make a woman be the specialist, make it Parker Posey, and she's the emotionless demolitions expert, and then have Danny Trejo come to her for help after his family is killed by Woods and his son. So the heroes will go against type, and the bad guys can ad-lib and be crazy. Um, Also, I'd be curious to hear a recast of Buckaroo Banzai, one of my all-time favorites. Um, this is Tim Cree, Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks, Tim. Uh, one of, Fort one Collins. Of, yeah, he's from the land of Jake Lloyd. There it is. There. Wow. That, I didn't. I didn't it's okay. Plan I, used that. To, I used to live in Collins for years when I was going to college in Denver. So it's all good. This nothing is wrong with Fort Collins. Sci-fi shenanigans uh, and some other sp- spots. And man, that yes. was great. Uh, I got a comment on those really quick. Parker. I would love to see Parker Posey in a balls-out action movie. <laughs> I would love to see her in the Stallone role. That was great. But yeah, yeah, it was good. That's an odd one. Yes, yes, indeed. Do you I want like to re- respond to that at all, Ethan? Uh, it's good. All right. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. So much enthusiasm. There it is, yes, yes. All right, we got a next... I haven't listened to this at all, so we'll see what this is. Who knows what this is? I don't... We'll see. Well, hi, Dave. 
Oh, uh, <clears throat> whoops, sorry. I hate it when my wise owl slips out. <laughs> oh, so many episodes all at once. Where do I start? Let's start with your discussion about the critics that inspired you and the ones you regarded higher than others. I was a little surprised that Leonard Malton made it into the conversation. Now, admittedly, my experience with Mr. Malton has really only been on uh, old Entertainment Tonight's and his compendium books of reviews. I used to pick those up at Blockbuster. But I always had the impression that he was one of the finest critics at dinner and a movie could buy. All the reviews given on Entertainment Tonight were always very positive. Maybe that was just coincidence, and knowing now that many of the book's reviews were not necessarily his, his own may account for my assumption that he was more of a panderer than he may have actually been. Speaking of critics, uh, you spoke that you don't think you can be a critic unless you are steeped in the art of films and filmmaking. I think I agree with you, actually, but I uh, wonder if you think there maybe is a subgenre of reviewers. I've been known to review a film or two, and while I can be critical of a movie or a TV show, I'd never tell anyone that I was a critic. Just curious as to your thoughts on that. Now on to your podcast of parts in films that you'd like to recast. I have one. Should they ever remake the Mel Brooks silent movie, I'd like to see Seth Rogen in the <coughs> I'd like to see Seth Rogen in the Dom DeLuise role. Just so he would have to shut the hell up. My god, does he ever take a breath? Barry, it broke my heart to hear you defend Green Hornet. I want to trust you, and I want to have faith in the things you say, but then you go and say something like that, and I, it, it just hurts so much. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just need some time. Oh, hi, doggy. Wow, okay. So so you, you've crushed someone's hopes and dreams, Barry. I stand by my freaking review. I'm the only one. Who, give me a break. I'm the only one who loved that movie. I really love The Green Hornet. I stand by my freaking review. It's on the Maui Times site. But no, I I know I, I stand alone. I really do. I want to comment on uh, on his question about about film critics. That was yeah. a really good question. Um, I think you review enough stuff, Chris, honestly, that you, you qualify as a critic. So that's, that's Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I would certainly call him a critic, certainly, um, with his with his knowledge and considering what he does. I mean, I think people who hold podcasts. I mean, I just think there's a there's different types of critics, I guess. I, I guess I, is it fair to come up with the the, the subgenre of amateur critic? Sure, because I mean, I, I know I don't have the knowledge probably that is really really super you know necessary, but. I just think, I, well, you know, not even to, to take it out of that, just to say, like, I think there's a difference between someone who loves sports, is passionate about sports, knows everything about sports, watches the Super Bowl and can provide commentary, and the guys on ESPN and, you know, the sports network who, who are sports commentators and sports casters and sports critics who know this stuff. And when they write, you know, articles about baseball games and football games, you can you get worked up reading it because they really capture the excitement of it. I mean, I think there is an art to that. And I think those guys are obviously really good at what they do. Just like I think great film critics. I mean, not only do they know why this movie is great, but they know why the Truffaut movie that it reminds them of is also great. So I, I do think I do think there is there are different calibers. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Well, it's different genres. I mean, I know Chris is Christopher is definitely far more steeped in sci-fi TV than I am. I mean, he keeps up with a heck of a lot more shows than I do. So I'm always going to defer to him when he says a show's good. So all right, I'll give it a shot. And if I don't, if I disagree, well, I know, you know. But yeah. Well, you know, same thing with talk show guys. I mean, like, yeah, you know, uh, I don't think. Well, you know, I think <laughs> Howard Stern is probably one of the best. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't listen to him. I haven't listened to him in a while, actually. And I think he's pretty foul and offensive. And I wouldn't listen to him with my mom. But I think he's really great at what he does. Unlike some of these, like, for example, um, 
You're going to call someone Carson, out, aren't you? Carson Daly. Oh, Carson okay. Daly. Yeah, that's, that's fair. He had a talk show, and clearly he's very amiable. He's very appealing, but really not a great talk show host. The only reason anyone watched that was because he had me first in the Gimme Gimme's as his front band for a while. Right, yeah. and But like Conan O'Brien, on the other hand, great talk show host, totally self-deprecating, really good interviewer. Dick Cavett was a great interviewer. Johnny Carson was a great interviewer. You know, like some of these guys, I just, I think there they're are different strengths, you know, and I just like, I mean, we didn't, nobody liked the Benz to call those guys out because it wasn't even so much that we disagreed with them. We just didn't like the way they presented themselves. So I didn't and mind Mankiewicz. I really didn't mind him too much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm alone on that one. Okay. Fair enough. But I appreciate, uh, I really appreciate bringing up uh, uh, Leonard Malton though, because that, that is interesting. It is interesting yeah. that so many of his reviews that are in his book don't really reflect him personally. He's even been called out and the, there's a few reviews in his books of movies that he has yeah. never seen. Yeah. You've mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. Which is really very intriguing. Even though like I still, for me, that's like one of the movie Bibles when it comes to like just having a comprehensive book. Like if this movie exists, it's probably in this book. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Any comments, Ethan? Sorry, I was on Facebook. Oh, okay. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Okay. It's all good. That's right. That, that, that's the email we have for the week. Um, so I've, I've, I announced the contest on the last episode before we unexpectedly went on a month-long hiatus. Uh, we have gotten an entry. It's a heck of an entry. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm going to play it. It's, it's pretty impressive. But I'm, I'm going to extend it because obviously we weren't here to keep pimping it or anything like that. Leave it. You can. You don't have to do something like with MP3 quality. Leave us a voicemail on the voicemail line. Whatever. I don't. I don't care. I. I just. I'd like to see the the, the creativity. And yes, a Criterion Blu-ray is at stake here. So, uh, the first su- submission we have is from the aforementioned Christopher from Johnja.net, and uh, I'm just gonna play. This kind of speaks for itself. <laughs> They're critics and they're groovy, they're all together goofy, they love to watch the movies, they're Screen Geeks Radio. Dave. Barry. Ethan. So gather all your thoughts on, the topic that you called on, your message will be heard on Screen Geeks Radio. I really like that. <laughs> I'm a fan. I'm, I'm calling my mom. <laughs> those those Jonja.net ninjas, they never cease to amaze me. That's fantastic. Yes. There was a weird pause, though, between Barry and Ethan. It's like he was like, for a second, he's like, nah, who's should that third I say guy? his name? <laughs> who, who's that third guy again? I can't remember. Uh, oh, yeah, Ethan. There it is. Totally. I I love the the utmost enthusiasm he put into singing that. That was yeah. my favorite thing. Yeah, yeah, it's outstanding. Sounds like someone put a gun to his head while I had to do that. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. That was a pleasure. Yes, yes. So if you want to send us an email or send us your submission or whatever via email, you can email us at podcast Ethan Perry or Dave all at screengeeks.com. You can also give us a call at 719-695-0706. Every once in a while it rings to my cell, but I just Send it straight to voicemail. So, yeah, it's all good. Um, who knows what we're talking about next week, but it'll be good. We'll it'll be it fun. Out. We'll be back. We're back. Screen yeah. Geeks are back. Yeah. Yeah, at least for this week. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> Until then, this, yeah, this is Dave. This is Barry. This is Frank. 